Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Meet the Pooligans episode. My name is Daniel. You can follow me at D underscore twit on the Twitters, as you know. You can also follow the podcast at Pooligans Tonight's episode, let me just tell you, it is one of my favorites that we've ever done. It is unlike anything you've heard. It's a long episode. Please listen to the whole thing. I love the episode so much that I recorded a super silly intro. And when I say super silly, I mean sillier than what you're currently listening to. I would usually say, I hope you enjoy it, but I know you will enjoy this episode. So here we go. Silly intro first. And then we set sail. Hello, dear listeners, gather round and warm your hands, as the narrator shall clear his throat. (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the tale of the fisherman and the awning slapper began many weeks ago. The young slapper had dutifully prepared and arrived on time, as was his custom, but as the hour came and went, the fisherman was nowhere to be seen. And so the awning slapper began his tale, and it was good. For he was gregarious and he was wise. But even once his tale was told, the fisherman was still adrift. Only the doings of a young lady friend saved the fisherman, and a great laugh heralded his arrival. The fisherman finally sat, and stories were exchanged. As the night drew late, the awning slapper had to watch his youngest, and so the fisherman would finally tell his tale. Tales of woe, tales of victory, good tales all. And so I ask you to settle in, dear ones. And let us begin the tale of the awning slapper and the fisherman. Um, Alright, our first guest hails from the motor city of Detroit, but now makes his home in Chicago. He's a member of the corporate training world, but finds his bliss spending his time with his wife and two kids on the beaches of Lake Michigan or haunting the wooded campgrounds of the Midwest. He enjoys wonky conversation and the occasional political debate, but we know him because of his love of punk rock and disturbing propensity for air drumming. Ladies and gentlemen, please follow AK Bossy on Twitter. You all know him as Awning Slapper, but he is in fact Aaron Bossy. Aaron, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well said. Well said. So we have Aaron. He's a slapper. Later on, we'll have Andrew. He's a fisher. They both start with A. We're not going to get them mixed up because we're actually going to do the Meet the Pooligan questionnaire separately. And we will start with Aaron, which is great because that means that I get to ask my most important question first. As we've established in the past, I'm intensely jealous and resentful of Twitter handles that are clearly much funnier than mine. So please <laughs> indulge us. How did you become Awning Slapper? Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, with our gracious hosts' uh, uh, vacation to the greater state of Massachusetts, I found myself, uh, you know, not only longing for the show, but uh, also <laughs> I found myself uh, miraculously air drumming as I was heading to the train one day. And uh, I gave her a, a shout out kind of on Twitter. And then the uh, reply that I got back was basically calling me an awning slapper, which I'm not really sure where that comes from. But I, I think earlier she referenced that as like uh, some like some millennial joke. So I think I'm caught up in that whole uh, menage of millennials, but even though I'm not, but it's okay. I was going to ask you, and we had to establish that early, are you or are you not an actual millennial? I think I'm on the cusp. Like, I think uh, if you look at the definition of millennial, it's, it's somebody who was born around 1980, give or take, and that's when I was actually born. So I'm either a Gen X or a millennial, but I would say given my love for 
the genre of Generation X and Buzzcocks and Clash that I'm definitely not a millennial and don't identify with the one generation generation, but you never know. It's all about the demographics and the anthropologists, not me. Mm-hmm. Well, considering that you're doing some air drumming, I'm thinking there's at least some millennial in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that is that is how how Aaron became Onyx Labyrinth. Now, Aaron, you took on the mantle once uh, once Julie mentioned it, I believe. What were you before Onyx? Labyrinth? I did, and, and boringly enough, I was just kind of like my first name and last initial. I was Aaron B. So that's you know, you were Aaron B. Before, okay. So for listeners who heard Aaron possibly tweet before he became the much more recognizable Onyx Lapper. He was Aaron B. Okay, so let's, before we get into POTUS Press Bull questions, let's go all the way back. Do you remember, Aaron, when you became interested in politics? I do, because I come from an anomaly, uh, meaning that my parents are both union uh, retirees, and I'm from the great state of Michigan, uh, southeast part of it, towards Detroit. Uh, I spent my college years at the Walter Ruther uh, labor library doing my like uh, undergraduate thesis and uh, the ironic part of that is the fact that my parents though they are union retirees and I came up in that family and grew up in good old you know uh, Reagan Democratic Macomb County uh, they're both avid Fox News fans and my dad had Rush Limbaugh ties and he has the unread still to this day Richard Nixon memoirs on the uh, bookcase at our house and so I really didn't understand their point of view about things, given, you know, our family's upbringing. So ever since then, I've just been fascinated with politics and the fact that, you know, the political spectrum as it was did not clearly define where my family sat. And so ever since then, it's been something that I've been fascinated with. And that's one of the reasons why I love listening to POTUS and Julie, uh, Julie Mason. Given that, that uh, pretty interesting trajectory, where would you say you're standing right now as far as your politics are concerned? I wouldn't define myself as any spot of that spectrum because obviously it's kind of rigid uh, and I'm not that. But I would definitely say that I'm all for uh, people who can be cogent, who have lucid arguments that, uh, like I said earlier, you know. Wait, who, in, in politics? It, it, yeah, ironically enough, it's right? In, in politics. Extremely, extremely confounding. I don't know of what you speak. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I appreciate people that can be, uh, you know, kind of kind of true to their ethics, if you will. And I know in our current state of things, the POTUS we have is, is definitely not that. So it, it gets me uh, enraged at times. Uh, but when there are people who kind of stick up for their beliefs and their morals, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and then also people who kind of call things up for what they are. And, and that's why I think I really appreciate listening to the show because, you know, obviously I don't have the background that people like, you know, Julie Mason and, and Tim Farley and others have, but listening to them and finding out and knowing that, you know, there was that time when President Obama wanted to kick out Fox News, and, you know, the things that Bush was involved with. And it, it's that comparison that allows me to have that, uh, that normalcy. Because it's very easy to look at Trump and the current administration and get enraged and to kind of get sucked into the the, the minutia of all of the different gripes of the resistance. But when you put it in perspective and you look at it in comparison to the other, you know, administrations, it's 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 easy to say, okay, well, it's not the end of the world. It's not end of days. It's just it is what it is. Um, and, you know, in comparison to how many press conferences he has as opposed to other administrations and what he says and how uh, 
how like he's available to the press where other administrations weren't. And that's what I appreciate the perspective that we get from listening to uh, the programming day in, day out. That absolutely makes sense. Makes you a, a rarity almost on this show. So I'm, I'm really interested in discussing with you later who some of the people or politicians are that you are able to respect considering your, your perspective on things. Who's actually out there that would satisfy what it is that you're looking for so I'm, I'm curious to talk about to talk to you about that later but right now let's quickly get into the the potus press pool stuff do you remember when you fell for the potus press pool and when you first uh, noticed the show um I, ironically enough i think in my in my recent memory it was about four or five years ago um which is when i got my full-time serious subscription because i bought uh my last new car not, not my current one my last one um and then yeah, after that i was kind of hooked on because i got all these like great shows and uh the one show that i really did get involved with a lot was not even on potus but the uh the bob edward show really got me involved and serious and then after that i, I for some odd reason got turned on to uh tim farley in morning briefing and then you know as the day goes on and you're at the your desk and you're listening to the radio uh, you got the headphones on and then all of a sudden you know you roll into julie mason who comes in and uh without her bumpers and listening to like gang of four and mission to burma uh i don't think i definitely would have been as much of a fan as i was and that's what kind of drew me in and uh then she had that great promo with penn and teller where he was like saying you know mm -hmm. julie mason she's punk rock i like julie mason i like potus and i was like yeah that's, that's me right there. That was before that. I love Julie Mason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Julie Mason. It was yeah. so good. It was so good. Yep, that's a good one. <laughs> what is it about the POTUS press pool? And you mentioned a little bit of that in, previously when we were talking, but what is it about the POTUS press pool that brings you back on a daily basis? And how do you listen to the program? Do you listen live or do you listen on demand? How do you do your Julie? Oh, no, it's always live. Um, and the thing that I guess i dissatisfied with is the fact that Sirius has a delay between the car and the internet because I usually listen always, uh, typically when I'm at work, uh, on the the website. And so I'll have it going on my headphones. I'll be listening to it. Um, and I say I hate the delay just because of the fact that it's fun to interact with the hosts, whether it be you know Tim Farley or now Cuomo, who's... He's, he's, he's my guy there in the afternoon um, or then also Julie in the afternoon which was great um, and then in the afternoon rest in peace uh, Steel and Unger I, I miss those guys um, or Olivia Knox <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's fun to interact with them on Twitter because they like love to especially Julie um, reply back and kind of you know shout out what you were saying online or on the air which is always super fun um, but I hate the delay you know so that's like really the annoying part about it but uh, but yeah, I'll listen to it in the morning in the car when it gets off at work, and then I'll come back online throughout the day and have it on the headphones. Uh, and as long as I'm not in too many meetings or having to do too many training things throughout the day at work, you know, I'm always kind of like just checked in. Always happening. Yeah, I have to tell you, I, that that delay on the iOS app is one of the banes of my listening. Well, the app's horrible. It just, it's, it's, it's a terrible really app. horrible. Yeah. Um, and, and Julie is actually one of the few who does, I think she might actually be the only one that I'm aware of, who does actual real-time interaction with her Twitter followers. I think everybody else more so does call-ins and doesn't really worry that much about Twitter. But because of the format she uses, it's seriously distracting to people who are trying to take advantage of that. It's really annoying, yeah. After listening, do you feel like a better informed listener after listening to the press pool? And do you have... you? 
obviously have a significant other uh, and friends, family. Do you share any of that information that you glean from the show or is that something that you more or less keep to yourself? I wouldn't say I share it, but ironically enough, my wife now is a huge fan of Julie Mason and uh, she finds herself listening to her throughout the day because she works from home and so she'll have it on here at the house. Uh, But she has the benefit of well, I shouldn't say the benefit because it's still through the app. But she, she'll play on our Sonos speakers and she'll have it like mm-hmm. blaring, you know, in the background in the house. Um, and once, once in a while, she'll like hear my uh, tweets to Julie get said on air, which is kind of funny. She'll be like, Aaron, were you listening to Julie Mason today? I'm like, yep. And uh, she'll, you know, she'll mention like what it was that I said and all that. And I think if anything, it's, it's really cool because it, uh, it drives our conversations you know, with each other about things that are happening. Um, there's been so many people that she has interviewed, whether it be reporters or broadcasters that I've really appreciated. You know, I, I, I love to just listen to them. Uh, the one guy, Niels Zlusky, I think I said his name mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, but Niels Zlusky, yeah. Yeah. When, when he's on like C-SPAN in the morning, cause I love watching Washington journal. Like he's my boy. Like I love listening to him and he's awesome. He's always got a good take. But yeah, no, there's been so many folks that like through her show that I've definitely uh, started to not only follow online, but I've actively like sought them out and I, I value their opinion. Are you and your wife pretty simpatico with your politics? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think if anything, uh, she might be uh, much more to the like left of the spectrum than I am. Um, but, you know, we're both obviously getting... Uh, the proverbial older in age, more conservative in taste, which is kind of hard to say. But um, no, I, th- I, th- I think we're both there. Uh, she grew up in a more like kind of northern rural area and wasn't maybe exposed to as many of the uh, urban influence as I was coming up out of uh, out of the Detroit area myself. Because um, I like, grew up in the suburbs and then lived for like seven years in Detroit while going to school. I think that's like a benefit. To our relationship uh, I, say, I say that because it allows us to kind of like identify and if anything just strengthen the way we feel why we feel in terms of listening to the show and talking about things um, and it allows you to understand like where your beliefs come from does your wife interact with the show at all she does not um, and I'd be very surprised if she ever did well we'll we'll get to that you know what we'll save that for the twitter question because that's definitely coming up Actually, right now, um, yeah. <laughs> we we just we were talking a little bit about how Julie does her thing on Twitter. That she obviously interacts with her audience mostly on Twitter. Um, what the, is that something that you seek out? Do you try to make contact on Twitter? And do you like like many of our friendly hooligans to have your name mentioned on air, your tweet read out? Is that something that you actually try to accomplish? Uh, I mean. I'd be lying if I said no, but yeah, that's... Yes, you would be. Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, that that's, <laughs> that's the that's the reason, you know, you do it is because you, you, one, you want to get that classical validation, you know, from somebody who is in charge of a, a show to to isolate your, your thoughts and, and give it validation and say, yeah, this, this person's got a point. Um, but if anything, it's just, a, it's a fun way to, you know, engage with the show and the people that are talking um, and to even get their take on it. Like the other day I, you know, tweeted something to her and then tagged like a uh, Siraj Hashmi and, uh, he liked it, you know, and it's like a very simple active, but you, you know, that <laughs> by him doing that, that he obviously read it and was like, yeah, that's cool. And so that's fun, you know? And I mean, I even talked to, uh, who I mentioned, my friend Hector, 
who used to be involved with a radio show here in Chicago before uh, they shut down. And you know, I was talking to him about my interactions, and he was like, yeah, that's one thing I wish we did at our you know program because the host, uh, I think his name was like Brandon Meyer or Brando, I don't remember his name. Uh, it was like some show here local in Chicago that was based out of Tribune Tower, uh, which is now, I think, like defunct. Um, but that, that was one thing he said is that, like, you know, if you can get your audience involved and get them engaged, like, that's a good way to retain listeners and, like, to, to, to broaden the show. And that's one thing that I think that she does well, you know, by keeping everybody involved, keeping them engaged, uh, responding, like, literally real time to tweets. Like, I don't know how she does it because if I was having people in the studio and I'm trying to ask them questions and go over things, yet I'm still at the same time looking at my laptop and then trying to respond to people I couldn't do that. I would just be all over the place. So I give her credit. That's awesome. One of her many magical attributes is that she is somehow able to pull all of that off and pull it together. And there's never really a moment's hesitation in any of it. It just sort of flows smoothly and to everybody's delight. One of her great talents. Yeah, totally. How do you feel about the larger POTUS press pool Twitter following? Do you interact with any of those hashtag pooligans? Or have, have you found anybody that you follow or that you interact with that you that you think is fun? Or is that something that you kind of keep away from um well i guess it's like kind of been like a recent thing you know obviously uh with yourself and then others i'm not sure if there's like other people that i've found myself gravitating towards that sense but i guess that's probably because that's not my main draw did, did you hear that pooligans were not his main draw sorry i'm just here for julie that's all it is you know well that's okay well great now you great now that you've ingratiated yourself thusly yeah <laughs> um what what is your what's your feeling about twitter as a medium and do you use it as part of following politics or do you think it's a comp is it a compelling platform to you or do you really just use it to to interact with julie uh prior to my job now when i had a a contract position which allowed me to stay home more often because i had like periods where i was just like you know at home um i would <laughs> be the wonky self and I would stay at home and just watch C-SPAN and when I would see people doing their general speeches I would uh, start following folks like Lamar Alexander and Bob Corker and you know other people on Twitter and trying to at while they were talking during their speeches give them feedback and, and, and say you know in relation to what I agreed with and what I didn't agree with. And I really value Twitter for that standpoint because it gives you a chance to, to try and engage people that are in those positions mm -hmm. that we're not. Um, and I understand that they obviously have people that support their feeds and it's not literally them, even though I would say probably our president does it all himself. He doesn't have a support staff that he does. Oh, you think so? Like I don't. No, no. I don't, it's not. It's not primarily me thinking. It's that that is that's been pretty clearly established that there are there is a, a communication a comm staff that has. It's a relatively small comm staff. But it's not but him though. Staff. Like... No, it's some of it is and some of it isn't, okay. and you can kind of tell when it's one or the other because the comm staff sometimes ineptly will try to copy his style by by using capitalization <laughs> and then using exclamation points and misspelling or using words that he would Coffee. usually use, but. Exactly. But it always that I think that was really his bot dial. But usually um, you can kind of tell the difference. It used to be very easily identifiable because some messages would come from an iPhone and some would come from an Android phone. That makes sense. And everybody became keenly aware of the fact that if it was Android, it was the communication staff. And if it was iPhone, it was the president. Yeah, there's both. I say that because I know I've, I've really appreciated Twitter ever since then. And and. and that was when I used to work contract, which was back in, oh, geez, that was like 2000, 
12, so it was like over five years ago. Um, and that's when I really got involved a lot with Twitter and, and, and really realizing that this was a good way to just stay involved with what politicians were doing and, and to try and give voice. Um, so it was fun. And I think now with our president being somebody who is very uh, Twitter aggressive, it allows me to stay more engaged than I would have. So as much as I am discouraged by his lack of everything, um, I, I do appreciate the fact that I can get updates and see what people are saying in real time via that medium. It's interesting. I'm always fascinated by who will respond to certain things and who will just not engage that way. And I think a lot of reporters, especially considering the current climate, will basically use their settings to only have people with checkmark account uh, appear even in their in their feed. Yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised by the people who will actually reply to something that you say and, and will be entertained by by sometimes even going back and forth. Siraj being one of them, or Katie Rogers from the, of the New York Times, or Josh Dawsey of the Post, or uh, even Phil Rocker will frequently like things that are tweeted at him and sometimes respond. You do find those uh, those rarities. I know, uh, oddly enough, I found a lot of people from 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 both sides of of the vent, but a lot of people who I never would have reached out to or looked into, you know, prior to the current state of things. Um, like 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 Peter Venner, I think his last name is, um, who's somebody that I saw on C-SPAN one time. Uh, Max Boot is somebody that I saw on C-SPAN. Yeah. And now, like, I love following him. Uh, and then I knew about him beforehand, but, like, Brill Crystal. But, like, all those people that are, like, you know, people that I would never associate myself with just due to many reasons. But now, in this whole environment, I'm like, yeah, like, what they're saying, like, go get them. Yes. God knows Max Boot has had his hair completely on fire. Yeah, the last, totally. uh, the, Especially the last two weeks. But yeah, for a while. Uh, he's definitely a good follow. For those of you who don't follow Max Boot, you definitely should. Do you have, as far as the POTUS press were concerned, and you mentioned a few earlier, do you have any favorite guests or any favorite moments uh, of the POTUS press pool that you recall? You mentioned Ward Carroll earlier, and I like love it when he's on. People, like I mentioned earlier, Siraj, which is her crush, which is always fun because whenever she talks about him, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of glowing remarks that remind me of when she talks about Sean Hannity because I think she has crushes on both those guys, which is really great. Mm. Yeah, totally. Mm, that's Sean Hannity. Totally. Mm. Sean Hannity and Siraj, like mm. those are both like Julie's like favorites. I think I don't know. It's kind of scary. Um, <laughs> the one time when she had on uh, actually uh, Greg Graffin from Bad Religion, that was awesome. Uh, being a person that has not only seen Bad Religion in concert like three or four times, um, but also just being a big fan of the whole pun crack, uh, you know, music set, that was cool. So whenever she does celebrity things, she had Henry Rollins on one time too, I think. Oh, she, she's had him on several times. Yeah. He's always a big hit. Yeah, huge. She's got to get on Ian McKay because if she gets on Ian McKay, who was the uh, front man for Minor Threat, and then he was a big uh, big part of Fugazi for a long time, if she can get him on, that's like DC right there, and it would be awesome. But All right, so let's, let's hope that can happen. <laughs> um, and with that... I think we're going to find our second participant who now appears to be ready. (laughs) 
Yeah, so we have we have Aaron here, and we now also have the savior of tonight's podcast. Okay. Her name is Tiara. Tiara, hi. Hi. Okay, Andy's back. Andy's back. So, Ooh. but we would like to we would like to mention that Tiara saved this entire enterprise right, by fixing the technical uh, the technical aspect okay, of what's going go. on here, and we're extremely grateful. <laughs> Hola, amigos. Yeah, Hola, yeah, you. <laughs> Non-technically non versed person. Congratulations on Tiara. She is a gem. Hola, hola, Alaska. <laughs> uh, she is. She, she has. She has saved this enterprise tonight. She really has. Thank, thank God she's here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you for that. Uh, nice to, nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, and you, Daniel. Good to hear you. So we, uh, we already did the questionnaire with uh, Aaron. Now I'm watching and me Andy too. The it's okay. The entire it's okay. time. Um, so we already did the, the questionnaire with Aaron, and I'm going to do it with you separately after. So topics of the day. Let's see, Andy, how do you feel about the outcome of these midterms? Tell us all about your midterm feels. I'm not happy about what happened up here in Alaska. That's what I care about the most. Well, we had an independent that was the governor for a while, and mm, though we didn't get a lot from him... Uh, we still had some hopes that we would, and he dropped out and gave and supported Begich, a Democrat who's been our senator and before in the past and was okay. <clears throat> and he ran against this guy Dunleavy, who's who won, who is like Sarah Palin's side meat when it comes to like his platform. And we're like totally screwed. You know, it's going to be a big cut, kill, dig, drill. Is it scenario. because he can't see Alaska from his house? Is that why or? Yeah, it's something like that. You know, yeah, he's okay. just he's Makes just one sense. of the he's one of these guys who thinks deregulation and resource extraction at high speed is all we to be a great place again and uh this is not the reality. <clears throat> it's uh it's a bad thing. And it's bad for fishing too. He's in the way that it's bad for small independent boat fishers like myself. He's gonna end up Giving all the fish away, all the quota to the sport fish fleet and the the huge trawler mega fleet from Seattle and all that because that's who he's tied in with and it just sucks. We have a lot of problems with that already and now it's just going to get worse. That's, so. that's like kind of ironic too because I'm assuming like the person you're talking about is probably a Republican. Absolutely. Yeah, and the ironic thing is that he's probably, you know... Uh, Wrapping himself around the you know the free market blanket and how he's promoting uh, you know independence from government and you know less involvement, but yet to your point, it's going to make things harder for people at your end because you're not a part of the conglomerates that are out there trying to fish for like Wendy's seafood and uh, like during the beginning of this uh, broadcast, I was talking to. Uh, you know, our counterpart here, D Twit, and I was saying how I got a friend who goes up to Alaska and she's on one of those like giant fishing boats that's a part of the Pollock catch. Yeah, they'll be fine. Exactly. And and they're not gonna suffer at all. And and, and they're the people that are gonna benefit from that Republican outreach and that free market America Sarah Palin economy. But yet it's it's not really gonna help you out in your spot, which if anything, you are the embodiment of what they're trying to portray, but yet they just don't get it. And so that's the kind of sad part of it. They don't get it and they don't care. <clears throat> you know, it's uh, yeah. 
it's yeah it sucks it's gonna be uh, if you're a part of a big corporate fishing fleet you're or you're part of the sport fish fleet then uh you know you know you'll win we already weren't getting any joy and love from the independent governor when it came to what what i really am tied into and concerned about which is the international king salmon treaty that we have with the state of alaska has with canada washington oregon california and all the various native tribes and their nations along the way um they aren't doing anything about the fact that they're cutting our piece of the king salmon pie out every year and calling it conservation when really it's just a shell game. They're like, oh yeah, we're we're conserving the fish because the, yeah, there are some runs hurting and we need to do something about that. But they're not doing anything about it. They're just making it look that way by taking it away from my fleet and giving it to Canada and other places. I've tried to like, I actually tried tweeting Trump about it. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, make America great again. Let's make fishing great again. But I don't know. I didn't get a response. I thought, you know, you're such a deal maker. Um, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, you're so anti-Canada. Why don't you help us out, you know? None of that is happening. So under Obama, this was actually easier than it is now? No, it's just, it's always, it, actually, every year they, we, every year the scientists come up with, okay, how much, okay, here's, here's the pie and here's what we think would be a sustainable number of king salmon to catch up and down the West Coast. And then there's a big... Uh, there's a big negotiation process that goes on for a while until the summer happens. And our negotiators suck, and that's a big problem here. Um, they're always, every year for 33 years, we've been giving more fish away to the other players. Um, and it doesn't, it's just gotten more, it never, it's just gotten progressively worse. I think. Before Obama, we were we did a little bit better, but I don't think it had anything to do with Obama. You know, like the State Department really doesn't get involved in this at all, and just lets this process go on and on. But at the same time, we don't want most of the people involved in the process don't want the State Department to get involved, and I have struggled with that because I thought, well, boy, we're at a pro- we're at a point now where we're losing so much of the pie that. We're about to be not economically viable, so we need to do this. But they have a point. Once you get the federal government involved, they might rehaul the whole thing, <clears throat> restructure it in a way that doesn't work for us. So I don't know. But I know that for 33 years in a row, we lose more and more of the pie. And it's just it's uh, going to put us out of business eventually, really. Well, and that's the weird part with Alaska is that I know I've been there before for for work, but I definitely, you know, I've never lived there. Um, but if you look at, like, Alaska in comparison to the other states, uh, they definitely do garner a, the largest percentage of federal funds allocated to citizens out of any state mm-hmm. just due to, like, the proceeds that go to the state, right. which is ironic because it's it's definitely a red state. Like, people who live there... You know, they embody the, you know, the, the, the Chris McCandless, you know, into the wild, like living it, doing it. And, and, and that's great. I mean, but there's also like a huge tax benefit that goes back to those people that live there. Um, I mean, my my sister used to live in North Pole right by Fairbanks. And she would always like, you know, bask in the fact that she got that. Uh, she would never call it like 
the oil tax. You call it like the state revenue check. And I'm like, it's a tax, you know, like the government taxes the oil companies and that's the money you get. Like you don't get it. Like, well, no. It's, 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 <clears throat> well, no, you're talking about the Alaska Permanent Fund dividend check. You know, what that's about is basically when they opened up the North Slope in the 70s to build the pipeline and, and to drill for oil, a lot yep. of the state uh, citizens were against it. And people were bought out by the idea of you know, what's happened. Like, well, we'll put we'll put it all the money into a slush fund, and everybody will get it, give it a dividend, and it'll be like you know, it's pretty cool, you know. So people bought into <laughs> it. Like, okay, like all right, we'll do it, you know. And so that it's not a tax. It's a good it's, payout. It's, not, it's a good payout. It's pretty good. I mean, it's this the state's been hurting so much for money <clears throat> the last few years that, like, actually the independent. Uh, Governor Walker, who's out now, um, decided to tap into it and cut it and cut the percentage of it that we all get to pay for the funding of the state government, which has been hurting for money. Well, no, what, what I was saying is that it's a tax on the company, not the citizens. Right, yeah. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, the, the, the citizens get the windfall of the government taxing that corporation for their North Slope, you know, Pumping. Yeah, it's a good and thing. So I mean, it's our resource. Yeah, you know, yeah. why why should they get all the money? It's our it's our exactly. stuff. You know, exactly. we had that conversation about New Mexico, where where a lot of the tribes get money, obviously, from the oil drilling that happens on their land. But on the other hand, it also destroys. It occasionally destroys places that are not meant to be destroyed, that are meaningful to the tribes. Yeah. So it's, it it can create a catch twenty two of sorts and conflicting interests as far as what what should be or should not be done definitely like but alaska is such a tremendously huge state and everybody's spread out all over it that you know it it works for the most for the majority of us you know what i mean like oh they're drilling up there on the north slope where most of alaska's population doesn't live there and never goes there you know so <laughs> it's just a few tribes that live there who are like uh, yeah, it sucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like it's all that but shit happened. Check. Yeah, kaching. <laughs> yeah. But but you know it's been going on since like what 1980, you know, or the 70s. So everybody's kind of accepted it. No, nobody's, you know, the infrastructure is huge. Uh-huh. Like if you see photo aerial photos of the North Slope oil pipeline. It's incredible. It looks like L.A. in places. Like, it's not just, like, one it's pipeline. Crazy. It's, like, many, many pipes going all these places and all this infrastructure for the workers and this and that. It's it's incredible. Do you have any feelings politically about what happened in the midterms? Or is it really all the same to you? In, in my state? Not No, beyond your state. Uh, seen on a nationwide oh. perspective, does that... Uh, even affect you or, or interest you at all or is it primarily this uh, situation in your state so dire that that is something that you're really mostly focused on yeah mostly concerned with alaska i mean i'm curious about what's going on out down south in the old low, lower 48 and i think it's interesting that there's a lot of a lot of state runs that are uh still up in the air mm-hmm. am i right some important ones yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's yeah. i think that's interesting i thought that would happen uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, from afar and in an abstract way, I, I'm interested and curious. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting that there was talk of a lot of voter suppression mm-hmm. before. And I've always I've always wondered about the computerized voting machines and how they've been proven to be hackable like 20 years ago and everybody's still using them. And it doesn't surprise me that these things are happening now. 
So in that abstract sense, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm interested. Uh, Aaron, what what do you feels about the about the midterms? Do you have any? Yeah, no. I mean, uh, somebody who's here in the Illinois area, I would say uh, the, the the midterms for me uh, didn't really do much from a congressional standpoint because Shikowsky was my con- congresswoman mm-hmm. and still is. Uh, Dick Durbin was not up for re-election, and so therefore I didn't have to, you know, reappoint him uh, with my vote. <laughs> but I definitely did uh, take pride in the fact that uh, Rauner was removed from office, and he's the lame duck governor now. And so now J.B. Pritzker is going to be the uh, new governor of Illinois, which hopefully he will become the next convict that goes to jail from Illinois because we have a history of electing governors that are uh, known for prison sentences more than their uh, legislative record. Uh, but aside from that, <laughs> wow. the cool thing, well, you've got, you know, Ryan in the past. And oh, then- we have New Jersey. We have New Jersey. Uh, when was it? Two yep. nights ago. So yeah. you, share, you share a similar Yeah, fate. no, well, Blagojevich is, is still in prison now, I think, as we speak. And then also Ryan. Um, but mm-hmm. there's definitely uh, the hope that J.B. Pritzker will flex his muscle and then make Trump feel uh, inferior because he actually has more billions of dollars than Trump does. For sure. So there was a yeah. statistic I saw that said that J.B. Pritzker has like $3.2 billion as opposed to Trump's purported $3.1. So the governor of Illinois is richer than Trump. And so I feel, I feel good about that. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, Score. it's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, boom, Direct right? Like, like, like in your face. <laughs> yeah. In your face, boom. POTUS. Go get him. Uh, can I actually ask you something about Chicago, Aaron? I, Chicago has been held up lately a lot <clears throat> for its for its gun violence. And there's been a lot of... there was Especially the president seems keenly interested in Chicago, for example, as far as his statistics are concerned. Is that something that is a big topic for somebody who actually lives in Chicago? Or is that something that the, pre- that the president seems to overly emphasize because for him... It's politically convenient. Well, I mean, I would say it's both uh, because definitely Chicago is a is a city that's like almost three hundred square miles in area, so it's it's a large city with a, in terms of footprint. Um, and the majority of the shootings happen in areas that are beyond where I live on the far north side. Um, but it's ironic though because I say that in the context of how uh, like two months ago there were two shootings that happened in my vicinity within like six blocks wow. um and they've they've found that both shootings um were not robberies and they were both related meaning that the bullets um were traced back to the same person and so mm-hmm. they've identified that this person who they caught on video for the first one um this is a really long explanation to your simple question, so I apologize. Uh, but basically, they identified this person being like a potential, almost like a serial killer, right? Because they committed two murders, uh, like in an execution style, uh, meaning they shot him in the back of the head and then just took off. They didn't steal anything from them. So it wasn't robbery motivated. They just wanted to kill these people, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now in our neighborhood, we have the boastful proclamation of saying that there is the largest reward ever on the books of $150,000 for any information leading to the arrest of this person. Um, but overall, to you know your original question, I would say that the murders are not something that uh, the shootings and the murders and all that stuff, gun violence, mm-hmm. it's, it's not anything that 
is that top of mind all the time. I mean, I would say that our neighborhood is obviously an anomaly with this person and their, you know, two killings that I wouldn't call it Jack the Ripper, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. two killings. So it's horrible, you know, in any sense. Um, But I would say that it's not something where when you watch, you know, news outlets that try to play off of Chicago's troubles and they make that the focus of their uh, discussion, it's it's not as as nearly as bad as you would think it is uh, in any neighborhood, whether it be the south side, west side, or where I live in the north side. Um, it's 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 definitely there's there, there's issues in certain neighborhoods, um, but it's not Chirac, you know, on every day, uh, especially now with it being cold out, which is a horrible thing to say. Yeah. But when the temperature gets colder, there's less people outside and there's less that shooting. So. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I mean, it, this year the, the 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 statistics are lower than last year. Which, hey, that's a good thing. Well, that's year, like a, that's like a war campaign, right? Like, you know, like yeah, in Afghanistan, yeah. it's like oh, everybody kind of like goes into kind of in a remission as far as their warring goes until the spring, right? And it's like oh, it's thawing out. Yeah. It's time to it's time to mm-hmm. I mean lock I mean, and load shootings, again. Yep. Yeah, shootings will happen anywhere. I mean, before my company. Because uh, I, I work downtown. Before we moved to the Sears Tower, we used to be located right next to the Chicago Board of Trade, like more in the center of like the loop of Chicago. And there were two people that were shot and killed at like a restaurant across the street. And so, you know, it can happen anywhere. It can happen anytime. Like it's just a part of living in a city of three million people. Right. You know, you're in a city that again is almost 300 square miles there's three million people you're gonna have violence i think the thing to focus on for this situation and this story is the fact that how many of those incidences happen due to uh, Mm. firearms and then what part does that play in the conversation because whether or not chicago has really stringent and tough laws you literally can go right next to chicago and you're in indiana which has some of the like most lax laws in the entire yeah, it's, and, and that's literally across the street from some neighborhoods of Chicago. You can go into Hammond, Indiana, and Whiting, and you're you're right there. And you can just buy a gun and then drive back into Chicago. And- rough, rough times in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Now California, of course, also very stringent gun laws. And yeah, still, you saw what happened in Thousand Oaks. Yeah, I know. I this like twenty twenty minutes, half an hour from where I live. The mess oh, really? part. The the worst part yeah. of that too is that people that were there that were affected by Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, this guy was yeah, survived Las Vegas and got shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy, we've really yeah. we've entered an we've entered an absurd moment in American history, I would That's say, horrible. when you can survive one mass shooting but then get slaughtered in the next one in a different state. You would you, you would think it's it's, it's, as, it's as random as like a lightning strike, but it's not the case. No, not no. anymore. Right. Something's yeah. There's something's afoot for sure. There's some kind of epidemic That's... going. Something's in the water down there. Has that actually traveled to Alaska at all, or is that a phenomenon that hasn't really affected Alaska so far? Uh, as far as I know, we haven't had any mass shootings. But, you know, there's lots of stabbings and and shooting. You know, little shootings that are about personal things that happen here. Even in my town, it's crazy. Can't let's try to think of the last one that happened. Um, which is which is kind of like a good thing though, because you would think Alaska has tons of firearms. Oh yeah, everybody's like locked, you know, armed yeah. to the teeth here. You know, it's like <laughs> crazy. You know, 
Like, uh, well, you got bears. Like, there's grizzly bears, like, in your backyard. Like, yeah, mm, there is. Schools uh, as well. Yeah, there is. Actually, the cops just shot a sow, you know, brown bear and her cubs, uh, just a few days ago down the street down a, yeah. at the end of at the end of town because they just wouldn't leave this house alone you know it's like <laughs> granted the guy had some deer hanging in his shed you know but i mean <laughs> freaking tore the shed tore the shed down and then they were like trying to get into his trailer you know and the cops came and <laughs> the cops hey this was this was pretty good you got any more of this Shit, my friend got sh- my friend got shot on a boat he was working on a year ago. It was like unbelievable. It was like the whole town was on lockdown, and the cops were using the new copper vernacular. You know, active shooter on the loose, shelter in place, and the entire town was shut down. Like if you were in a bar, or restaurant, you had to like stay in there. Everybody locked the doors and shit. And, you mean uh, he got sniped on a boat, like shot? Yeah. At a no, the guy came down to the boat and. Yeah, it was a stupid thing. Like, I had just been hanging out at the bar with my buddy, like, three nights before this happened. And he's, like, telling me how he's, like, you know, getting down with this, this hot lady who's 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 married, you know. And she's been coming down mm. to the boat. Mm. And I was, like, and he's showing me pictures. And I'm, like, huh. It's, like, this isn't a good idea, man. <laughs> Which I was, like, yeah. I was, like, you know, dude. And then he showed me pictures. I saw how hot she is. And I realized, like. I look at him and I'm like, he's been out longlining like out west forever and like, like go get it, buddy. Well, you know, it's no. like, <laughs> and I wouldn't do it, you know, but I'm probably one of the few men that wouldn't, you know, who had like, I know what it's like to have that job and you just like live like an animal and you in town for a little while and it's like, you know, it's like being in a war. You come in and it's like. You just try to suck up as much life as you can, and if some lady's coming down to the boat and laying it out your boots, it's it's hard to how do you say not that? not go there. I probably would be able to, but I'm I'm not like most men. <laughs> but then again, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. I've never yeah. been that. I've never been in that position. So we're sitting at the bar, and I was like, a, you know, on the verge of giving him this lecture, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I'm what am I going to say? I'm like, dude, it's not a good idea, but okay, whatever. Next thing I know, three nights later. I see tons of cops coming down to the, the harbor right next to me. So I like, I text some friends down there, not thinking it's one of my friends. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You guys all right? And they're like, shit, I think something happened to our buddy, you know? So I run over there and they got him in. I got in there just in time to find him. Like, they got him in a cart and he's like, bleed, you know, it was bad. The guy shot him in Wait, the ass. And, this was, this was ooh, after no. the borderline oh. incident? This was just last year. It was like, right. Right next to right next door to me and oh shit! So it wasn't even like the most recent event. This was like in the past. Yeah, this is a year ago. Wow! And yeah, it was like the dude figured it out, and he was a psycho with you know gun nut, and he went down to the he he knew what was up, and he went down to the boat and pistol whipped my buddy in the head a bunch of times, and then they got into a fight. I guess the, the gun went off by accident. Shot him in Damn. the ass through the meat, fortunately, so they didn't get mess him up. But but what really messed him up was the pistol whipping in the head. You know, it messed up his head, and oh, uh, it was horrible, man. And then I was like, "Oh, this guy's on the loose, and he's looking for a place to run." And I was like, "You know, I got on my soldier Damn. clothes. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get this guy." And then my friends were like, "No, dude, the cops got Bad on idea. lockdown. Yeah. Stay on your boat." And I was like. Okay. <laughs> how's how's your yeah. how's your friend? Did you recover? Um, 
I think he's still recovering from that head wound. So wow, you know, yeah, he's he's Shit. got. Did they arrest yeah, the so, guy? Uh, yeah, he turned himself in. It's a crazy fuck. He had his he had his truck up in the t- top of the ramp with his like little child in the car. Like, oh, wait oh for me here, God. you know. Like, it's just a crazy person, you know. So yeah, there's a lot of crazy people around, and Alaska is the kind of place that attracts dreamers and outlaw and crazy types and it's like we all overlap and is because it's such a there's not that many of us so weird confrontations like this happen between good and really bad people all the time makes it interesting the the weird part about alaska (laughs) is that i think that what is it like like 80 percent of the state isn't reachable by road so you've got to like fly there or uh yeah that's like yeah. yeah where i live we we live on this island that's basically about the size of Long Island, New York, but there's only this one little town on it. There's a couple of, there's two. You on Kodiak? No, I'm on Baranoff Island. Okay. Uh, Kodiak's in um, southwest Alaska. This is southeast. Gotcha. And um, so, like, my town only has 26 miles of road in it, and if you want to get here, you've Fortunately, we have a jet or airport, which is cool, which is makes nice. it makes it different than a lot of other places that are isolated like this. So I can yeah. I can get out of here and go anywhere I want at any time. But um, you've got to fly in here, or you've got to, or you need a boat to get somewhere. Like you can drive. Like the town is twelve miles long, so you can drive from one end, and the road stops, and there's the forest, and that's it. <laughs> so, so so people do not just like end up here or just show up like you gotta want to be here you know so it's either it's either an escape of the good or the bad kind basically yeah pretty much it's both it's yep. either escapism or hiding out yeah or well or you're or you finally arrived like me and my friends mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're like oh here we are it's shangri-la we finally escaped <laughs> so what did what did you uh what did you escape Oh, it was Escape from New York, babe. <laughs> oh, really? Escape from New York? Nice. Do you wear an eye patch? No, not yet. <laughs> no, no, no snake plissken. Okay, never mind. Okay, no. back. Yeah, okay, so a different kind of escape from New York. Escape from New York all the way to Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Me and my buddy who... Uh, who's, it's a long haul. Yeah, it was, a, it was a long haul originally, and it was good to arrive. It was like mythic. It was like <laughs> so beautiful here. We're like, why? Why would we leave? <laughs> Daniel, are you from Los Angeles originally? No, I'm from Switzerland country? originally. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, no. I thought you were from Sweden. No, everybody. Th- that's I. When people find out that my name is Daniel and I'm from Switzerland and I'm Jewish, the next thing that happens is that they introduce me to the next person as their friend David from Sweden. Oh really? Where are you from? At in, Switch- in Switzerland? From Basel. Oh, oh. okay. I, we didn't go there. My wife and I went to Switzerland. On Nobody our does. Uh, you, well, we you... went to we we flew into Zurich, right? And then we went to Bad Ragaz, uh huh. And then we drove from there to uh, Fengen. Uh huh. We drove through the mountains though. Cause I, I took that route on purpose to go through the Alps, and my wife hated it because we were. I was like doing the serpentine, you know, switchbacks, and I loved it. So I was in the oh, yeah. manual transmission, and I was just Oof. like jamming. Yeah, she hated it though. She was like looking up at the roof the whole time. And you thought you were in a BMW commercial the entire time, huh? Oh, it was amazing. It was so mm. fun, yeah. And then uh, we got to Vengen. I didn't realize that you couldn't drive a car up there. 
and what, what? the GPS was trying to get us up there, so it was like telling us to take all these like crazy bag tractor roads. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So we're like we're on these like teeny little like switchback well trails trying to get up to Vangen, and they're like you know proceed on the route, and I was like I don't. There think is no this route. Right. Yeah, no. And so we called the hotel, and they're like. You need to park your car in Lauterbrunnen and then take the train and then we'll pick you up at the train station. And I was like, now you tell me. All right, great. So we stayed there for like three more days and then we drove our car to Luzon. Luzon, yeah. And uh, we we toured the Nestle mm-hmm. Research and Development nice. facility because my wife's company had a connection and... Yeah, that was cool. So we saw how they like basically made like Nescafe. And then, yeah, um, and and androids and everything that yeah, lives in Westworld. Much. Yep. Wait, wait, wait. Nescafe is from there. Everything oh, is. Oh, Nestle. Everything. Huge. Yeah, Nestle's they gargantuan. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I didn't realize their that. facility was amazing. Like, I would love to work there. But, um, and then we drove back to Zurich and spent one more night there, um, and then flew back the next day. But yeah, Switzerland was awesome. Like, I I think it was beautiful. I'd love to go back. So. Switzerland is very pretty, but it's definitely a very different vibe from island out in uh, island out in Alaska. True, true. Two very different experiences. My dad actually recently moved to uh, to Canada, um, and he's now he's he now lives on Victoria. Yeah, well, that's a huge island, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's having a pretty good time. But I'm assuming that Alaska would be a island off Alaska would be even more spectacular. I don't know. I haven't well, been well, to. He's you had Sarah Palin living on that. So. All right, with Sarah Palin, we got rid of her. Okay, <laughs> you did get rid of her. Congratulations. She did move, she did move right? Like, didn't she move? Like, yeah, she's down state. in Arizona, but like her, <laughs> her little boy Trek is up here, like causing problems up up in Wasilla still. I don't know. Isn't, <laughs> isn't he incarcerated again? I think so. He's like a trailer park trash. Like mm-hmm. you're stuck with your you're stuck with your with, with your Palin millennial. I guess so. But it, thank God they're like 800 miles north of me. Like I don't have to run into them. I'm going to try and do my best, like Julie Mason and Preston right here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually sat next to Sarah Palin a couple of, like, back when she was the governor. She came down to Sitka for Alaska Day. And, <laughs> and at the time, actually, I was I liked her. You know, I actually voted for her when she first ran. Because, wah, wah. well, this, well, dude, <laughs> this is before she started she started talking like she was off the meds or something. When she ran, she talked a pop. She talked a basic populist talk, like, like okay, you know, yeah. we're giving a basic trip that I liked was like, all right. Uh, her trip was, you know, we're we're giving too much of the oil money to the oil companies, and we should tax them a little bit more, and we should spread that wealth around a little bit more, not just through the dividend, but through. But literally through giving people more of the money through another check, because at the time, I think it was the Iraq war was going on and the price of fuel was through the freaking roof up here. Yeah. And the and the Bush communities out, you know, way out in western and northern Alaska were like looking at twelve dollars a gallon for diesel and gas. And that's what they heat with and run the whole freaking show on. So people were like, I'm either going to heat the place or we're going to eat. I mean, literally, mm. you know, and yeah, she and she was she was talking about, you know, doing something about that. And that's why I voted for her, because we were literally up against, you know, survival in, in those towns, mm-hmm. eat or food in those out in those outlying villages yeah. that ha- only run on diesel generators. 
And so I liked it, you know, I voted for her. And then she made her lieutenant governor, this guy who used to work for one of the mega oil companies, was a lobbyist. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. But then she wrote us all a, a check, you know, in addition to the dividend to help everybody out, which was cool. I mean, everybody yeah, free, free money like, is always awesome. Well, I mean, it was we needed it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was our and yeah. it was our money, you right. know. I mean, it's our stuff, you know, and uh, and meanwhile, the you know the the federal government is driving it, driving the price up to where we can't survive for some stupid war that has nothing to do with us, uh, you know, thousands of miles away, you know. Hey, those were weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, we had, yeah, we had to get that guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I voted for her. You know, I mean, uh, it was better than what the the other person was talking about. And oh, it makes sense. she cut us a check and I was like, right on. And when she came down for Alaska Day, I said, hey, what's up? Thanks a lot. You know, appreciate it. And, um, you know, she's kind of hot, too. And I was like, wow, this is like a pretty cool combo. I, I was actually going to ask you, you know? is she it, does she really have that effect? Because I remember when she first she did came on at the, the scene time. and people were like, a total babe from Alaska over here. This was like 10 yeah, years ago. She was a babe. I was like, this is cool, you know. But then um, all of a sudden, things started to go downhill. There were all these, like, bizarre uh, controversies between her and the state troopers. And there's a lot of weird stuff that was basically, like, uh, trailer park stuff. <laughs> it was like, uh, okay. And then all of a sudden, John McCain uh, picks her out of the hat to, you know, try to desperately save his, his run for the president. And she starts talking like she's, uh, she got, she, I remember when she, uh, she declared on T, you know, to us all on TV and on radio that she's, she's relinquishing the governorship and giving it over to the oil lobbyist, to, uh, the governorship. All of a sudden, and it, and it, since she started, like, it sounded like she was talking in tongues. And I was like, oh, my God. Ever since then, she's been the enemy. So just a little background. People thought that McCain possibly as as he was nearing the end, maybe he would he would voice some regret about picking Palin. But he never really did. And I'm curious whether, in a way, in retrospect, McCain sensed something that he needed from Palin that he clearly did not find in Palin, but that the people who needed that later on found in Trump. It was one of my earliest indications of somebody who would sort of fit that mold, and clearly McCain thought that that's what he needed. And I'm curious whether that was one of the earliest signs that I really didn't get that this Trump phenomenon was eventually going to happen. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think Trump took her folksy persona and he kind of codified it and and made it more acceptable like he 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 refined it to a sense where it wasn't you know to your point andrew like she didn't she didn't seem like she had a clear statement of what she was trying to express or say and all that but but trump could could take that bewildering folksy what are you talking about and make it seem a little bit more just refined of like you know america's gonna be great and i'm with you yeah let's get her done and and, and it made it made more sense and he was also this was, this was who, texas trump just now you know, yeah but like out of out of everything you know he was somebody who unlike her was super rich and and for anybody who's trying to make it and looks up to those that have like that's the number one 
standard bearer of like you got it like you're a you're a Forbes billionaire yeah you got, you got it, it. Yeah. and she wasn't there right I mean she obviously is wealthy but she wasn't at the status of Forbes billionaire and so when someone like him comes along and he's got all those accolades not necessarily being somebody that's a PhD or a scientist or smart mm-hmm. um, but they're just rich and then they can like you know walk along with the big stick and say a bunch of things that are going to get people riled up like yeah lower the tax taxes on gas all right like that's going to get them you know stoked up like they 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 love that stuff and then i mean your 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 trump for some reason is from somewhere deep in texas he sounds like a (laughs) bush trump do you see any of of palin's populism in trump andy i do yeah for sure i mean yeah it's similar that trump's yeah definitely taking it to another level for yeah, sure. definitely another level. So, which brings us to Mr. Sessions, who I'm sure hoped that he was going to be hanging on and having a, a a good time, being basically shot on by the president, but at least being able to do his uh, own little brand of racism and happily, you know, disenfranchise away, was you know dismissed basically after the midterms, and we now have a new gentleman in place who already seems like a highly dubious choice. <laughs> do we think Mueller is going to survive the situation? Has Mueller thought about this ahead of time? Or is it now going to just be a, a Saturday night massacre in slow motion? I'll say that there's a, there's two possibilities here. Because one would be uh, Mueller does survive because Trump keeps his nose out of it and doesn't get involved because he knows from people that he's talked to. If he does get involved, then... Th- he will face will impeachment in the yeah. Senate. Do we really think at this point that, let's say tomorrow, he would be like, you know what, uh, I've spoken to new AG, interim AG Whitaker, and he says that this Mueller probe is very bad, and so we are now going to end this probe. See you later. Goodbye. Do we think that the Senate at this point would actually stand up and say, no, President Trump, this is a very bad idea, and we will not stand for this? Hmm. I think the Senate would, but I don't know if Mitch McConnell will. Hmm. The problem is that Mitch McConnell has the power to put legislation on the floor. And right now... He would not let that go. There was that... Yeah, there was that push by Flake and others to yep. introduce that legislation that was going to uh, protect Mueller. And it's got the support of Republicans and Democrats. But it's not going to happen, yeah, because Mitch McConnell says that there's no threat to, to Mueller. Andy's making pensive sounds as he, as he digests this information. What, what do you... That's totally involuntary, I, I assure you. He, he's making involuntary yeah. pensive th- sounds. What are you... What are your... uh, I just don't really give a shit about the Mueller investigation, honestly. <laughs> I could give a fuck. I was waiting I really for don't. the contrary opinions, and here they finally are. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to really... I didn't want to bum you guys out. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to... Please, you're not bumming me out. I just... Like, everybody's, like, so worked up about the Mueller investigation for the last couple of years and i'm like uh i don't know we're like i'm on the verge of going to war with iran climate change is about to destroy us all the economy is like total house of cards like pollution this and that uh hey there's more ice near barrow than there was last that's year. a good, that's a good thing, thing but i just like i don't know i mean like 
I don't know. Who cares? It's like, uh, first of all, there's no evidence whatsoever that these guys colluded with Russia. It's been two years, for Christ's sakes. Like, cough up some evidence and let's wrap it up so that we can actually deal with, like, the real crimes of the Trump of Trump and his cronies. Like, let's just get over this bullshit. I just don't see any of it. I mean, all of this stuff that I've looked into that, you know, the hacks and this and that, none of it's corroborated with anything. Um... There's just nothing like you look at Mueller, like, I mean, you look at Manafort and all these guys that have been uh, indicted and it's it's not about collusion, you know, it's it's about it's about it's about, you know, white collar, high white finance collar crimes. Crime. And, yeah. and it's like, no shit. Uh, duh. You know, yeah. Oh, wow. The big revelation. Trump and his friends are guilty of high financial crimes like. Wow, I'm I'm totally blown away. <laughs> but so I mean, in that sense, the way I see it is, Trump's right. The whole thing is a witch hunt. In it's, it's until further notice, until these guys come out and be like, you know, it's like these guys don't like Trump and they want to take him down. Is in the way I see it, I don't like Trump either. You know, but uh, you know, to go out of your way to go on this this full on. I mean, what if it was done to the other side, you know? I mean, all these people are guilty of financial crimes or different stuff, you know? It's like, they're they're basically started this whole thing. I don't know this, but this is my speculation. They started Mm -hmm. this whole trial and this whole thing because they know that all along the way, way, they are going to find crimes. Because, duh, you know, look who Trump is, you know? I I grew up in New York, in the New York City suburbs. We all knew, you know, when I was a kid in the 80s. This guy's a freaking dirtbag, high high finance mm-hmm. douchebag criminal. Like, duh. Everybody knows in New York, you know? And all the people who voted for him don't care about that. You know, they they know that. That that's why there's this sort of clash of uh, of thinking between the two sides. It's like the Trump people don't respond to all this stuff from the Democrats and the other thing because they know that he's guilty of that. They don't care about that. You know, the, and it, and it definitely looks like this trial so far. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it looks like, yeah, in, in effect, it is a witch hunt because they know it. Look, if there was, if there was evidence of collusion, I think I said this to somebody on Twitter recently. If there was evidence of collusion, real evidence, the NSA would know. Like they're the eye of Sauron. They would know. And presumably, by now, so would we. And none of this has come no, out. But the only thing you could say, though, you only could say is that, like, the, the, the main thing for us in the public light, because we don't know, obviously, all the evidence that's been gathered by people uh, beyond our pay grades, is that there's been that meeting with Don Jr. and Manafort and Kushner and who knows who else with the Russians at Trump Tower. And so that's, like, kind of the the big bowling ball right and where that bowling ball goes what pins it hits who knows, who knows? like that's what we're right. all waiting to find yeah we're, we're all waiting to find out and and the problem though is that Mueller's report is going to be just that like it's going to just be a report and because there's never been precedent to indict a sitting president it's right now the case where that's not going to be something that's seen as standard practice and so he's going to be able to just basically create a report which is going to go I think would say to the no, it's Senate. Gonna go, it's going to go to sure the... Well, it's got, now it's actually going to go to Whitaker. 
Okay, yeah. So it'll go to the standing mm-hmm. AG, which is a person who said that Mueller no. should be just, you know, kicked to Alaska and to hang out on a boat with Hey, him. hey, come yeah. on now. <laughs> That's not happening. He basically said he basically said that yeah, that Mueller should not be doing his job because he thinks it's a waste of time. Um and so, you know, that being said, his report might end up being useless because that's all it's going to be is his findings of like what he found out, what transpired, and it's going to be interpreted by whoever has the authority to do anything with that information. And if it's somebody who's a Trump slacky and sycophant and tyro, they're going to just say, you know, this is bubkiss, this is dumb, and, and it'll get thrown under the rug and we'll mm-hmm. never know what happened. But if it's somebody who actually has a, I don't know, moral conscience to say hey bad things have happened let's act upon it then you may see things happen again if bad things did happen i hope that if there was like actual collusion between the trump campaign and russia that this guy would have the wherewithal and the integrity to come out and let us all know and and follow through with the next process but this is the guy that brought down enron so he brought it down yeah Yeah. i mean that that, that was him like Enron and Arthur Anderson and that whole scandal it was all Mueller. Like that was, was his who? big claim to fame. Was Mueller? Robert oh, Mueller. he was right. But Mueller who, was he was the chief investigator. Okay, right. But Mueller was also the guy who lied to Congress about whether uh, about there being weapons of mass destruction in Iraq before we ran up. No. Yeah, he was him. one of them. It it's on. It's, you check it out. It's on YouTube. He was on Congress going right. on and on about it. There is video of him in. In a con, you oh, know, in front of con, you know, in a, in a uh, you know, congressional Senate hearing or whatever, talking to them, and they're all asking about and it. And he's like, "Oh, I'm, and he's pushing it." You know, the, he's yeah. When he was in charge of the FBI, he's he's there going, you know, pushing it just like Dick Cheney did, and the rest of those freaking lackeys. The FBI has no. I'm just to saying, ICU, though, he's mean? one of those got. He was one of those people back then who was like, "Oh yeah, but Saddam's got WMDs, and we got to go in there and get that guy." You know, blah blah blah. That's that's you know, we we better go. Basically, saying yeah, we better go and break the foundation of international law and 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 invade this whole country that had nothing to do with and never attacked us because he's got WMDs and blah blah blah, which they all knew was bullshit. So I just don't think that this guy is not Mueller is not the shining saint that everybody is going on around on and on about. So I do not put all our hopes on him about this whole thing. But in it, but regardless, you know, let's see the report. You know, I mean, it's been freaking two years and on and on and on. Let's you know just give it to us so we could get on with our lives <laughs> and focus on something else which is actually what we're going to do right now we're going to focus on something else we're going to let Mueller figure out yeah, his let's. shit on his own we're now going to focus on Aaron and his love of punk rock uh, Aaron t- tell us a little bit about your love of punk rock alleged and give us your bona fides and give us some suggestions well I one will not say it is alleged because it is definitely a true um, on top of that we're about to find out, Aaron. Yeah, I will say that it stems from, you know, growing up in the uh, blue-collar trenches of Detroit, Michigan, and uh, understanding that there was a time when there was rock and roll, and then after that time, you had groups like the MC5 and Iggy Pop that not only kicked out the jams, but they uh, went out and... <laughs> They seek and destroyed your ass. Uh, no, yeah, punk rock definitely is. Uh, 
I, I believe uh, that was Metallica. You cannot claim the no, Seek and Destroy. No, come on. Go ahead. Seek and Destroy. That's uh, Iggy, uh, Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Um, that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a great jam. Um, no, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love listening to Julia Mason because she does her bumpers, like her intros and outros with music. Mm-hmm. And I think usually a lot of times I'm like the weird fan that will tweet to her, not necessarily about like the topic she's talking about or the person that's on there, but I'll be like, why don't you play this song or why don't you play that song? And she'll be like, I got a producer for that. (laughs) 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 Doesn't doesn't keep him though from two days later being like, why don't you play this song? And why don't you play that song? Yeah, no, totally, Mm. totally. But the thing of it is though, is like, I'll do that and it'll actually like, it'll uh, it'll pay off. It'll have some some clout because later on in the day, I'll hear her be like, all right, Aaron, we're going to, she was supposed to, she was supposed to say Aaron. She was like, okay, AK Busey, we're going to play this song. And I'm like, yeah. And like, no. I get some. Oh, that's actually happened to you? Oh, that's awesome. many times. Yeah, there's been many a times. Where... <laughs> Fuck, that's never happened to me when I suggested Aaron Maiden. I'm oh, going to write that down right you now. You got so. super cred, bro. <laughs> I thought it would play like, you know, Mission to Burma or, or Gang of Four. Or nice. Something. She's been like, okay, I got it. We'll, wow, we'll you got it. the. You got the nod from Patrick. That's not even that, that's you got the nod from Patrick. That's, that's a big even deal. deeper cred. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get I, I I get respect in some regards, so it's it's kind of fun. What would your suggestions be for gateway drugs to punk rock for those of us who for completely unknown reasons still do not understand the phenomenon of punk rock? Mescaline. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Is that a is that a really special kind of salad, I believe? Yeah, totally. Fantastic. Totally, yeah. Mm, it's way better salad. than kale. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's the only definitely. salad that makes you smile. It's mescaline. Right. Yeah, forget about the kale, man. <laughs> yeah. Mescaline's where it's at. It's all um in, in terms of like gateway drugs, I would say, you know What are the must listens? Guy. Like you you'll listen to this and punk rock will just have you won over Beast, by these three songs? Beastie Boys. W- would you really call them punk rock? I think so. I, I don't you don't think would. so? That's not punk rock. Outside of like Heart Attack Man and some other like really obscure tracks. Sabotage. Or... Sabotage. Yeah. I, I would. I think so. Okay. Aaron, I think so. That's a good track. That's a good track. But, but probably not punk rock. Okay. Let's list, let, let's list these punk rock tracks. We need to, we need to inspire our listeners. Well, I mean, I would say you got to go back to our infamous, you know, you know, idol here, Julie Mason. Um, the Clash mm-hmm. is like her favorite band, and not only that, but they're also one of the more seminal punk rock bands of all time. And they not only are that, but they also led into influencing one of the other great, more modern punk rock bands of mm-hmm. all time, uh, Rancid. So you could say mm-hmm. Rancid would be a good band to check out and listen to. Um, Greg Graffin has been on her show, and so you could say Bad Religion. Bad Religion, absolutely. Would be a good band. That's true. Out, she's had them on. To. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then one of the bands that's, again, more modern that I'm a huge fan of uh, would be Pennywise, but they're not known in the annals of like the uh, punk rock kind of early influential bands but she's also had henry rollins on so you could say right black, so flag, black flag definitely is a good one. that's true yeah that was major credit yeah. to her when she had totally. him on i was like what oh, yeah, oh, she's shit. had him on several times yeah. he's one of her absolutely oh, really? favorite guests and in the i world. think we yeah. definitely got to motivate her uh, okay. to get ian mckay on because i love minor threat and fugazi and if she could get him on to talk that would be amazing so 
It would be, but what about um, the guy who's the lead singer from Rage Against the Machine? He's like super politically intelligent and articulate. That would be so cool. Isn't he super politically extremely left, though? Well, whatever. Well, I mean, most (laughs) punk rock bands are... Everybody's got a... Yeah, I would say. There's very few like libertarian punk rock bands, but... (laughs) Yeah. I know, That's right? It's like, you're not gonna find yeah. you're not gonna find like Ted Cruz, Brock, you know, like America. I know, like yeah. le- <laughs> banging our head yeah. for the for the status quo. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I want to make millions and tell you to fuck off and die. All right, yeah. Dude, that would yeah. be awesome. Woo-woo. I would love that song. That should be his new campaign song, by the way. <laughs> well, you heard it. Yeah, you heard it his wife, who's like a managing director of Goldman Sachs, say she was saddened because his Senate seat pays so little. That she's the breadwinner and they're not able to afford a second house. It's a very sad story. He should make a song oh, that's just weep, like, weep. yeah, that's just like, I kicked Beto's ass and yours is next. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be so. That would be so awesome. That's punk rock. It's punk rock right there. Yeah, yeah, that's totally uh, punk yeah. rock. Well, what about the butthole surfers? You guys down with them? Yeah, they're they're they're. Um, they're I, there. yeah, they're uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't call the them. I wouldn't call them like punk rock per se but yeah they're definitely a, a, a pretty sweet you wouldn't no i guess okay. i don't know in like the whole genre of things i don't know i guess i guess not it's funny because punk total gutter punk rock kids who came up here turned me on to that band i just thought oh yeah no they they they, they, they definitely jam and i would they jam but i think those punk rock kids have kids have mellowed already on their way up to alaska well, because they're, they're, they're millennials. Oh, oh my God. Me? I don't know. They're eating avocado. <laughs> be news to me. I had to, like, get away from those guys. They're so <laughs> punk rock, actually, but whatever. <laughs> wow. That bad, huh? Uh, a lot of them were cool, but there was a few bad apples amongst them, you know? So. Don't we all? Uh, what do you listen to, Andy? What, when, you're, when you're on your boat, you're out there chasing down the salmon. Is there anything that entertains you or the salmon? Um, well, I listen to a, okay, you guys are going to be bummed at me, but I listen to a lot, I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of electronica dance music, like with heavy bass beats. That's what I get into, especially if I'm like in a, if I'm in like a 10 foot swell and it's, and it's lazy and slow. It's like my poles are out. You're like, my, you're like my trolling poles are you're like, like just going at it. I'm just going at it. I just crank it and put the bass <laughs> up, and it's so good. Glow sticks. I do Any a lot glow of, sticks. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm just like I'm totally. I'm totally like if I go in the house to like change course and like maybe make a meal or drink a little coffee or something, mm-hmm. I'll dance for a while in there. You know, I've got it all down so that I don't like kick the electronics and shit. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I just like rock the fuck out and then i'll be like oh wait all the lines are going oh man we're going I, out there i love how we just went from bad religion straight to tiesto this is fantastic. <laughs> we're like we're like in darude sandstorm dudes uh dudes i gotta tell you yeah. this okay i was at i went to dc uh about a year ago uh-huh. for um ca- for catharsis on the mall which is uh nice. like a burner thing yeah it's like a burn it's a burning man thing and it was it was cool. It was really fun. It was a co- little bit cold, but there was like big dome tents and different dance things. Anyway, I met some cool people there. Somebody sent me a flash drive that I met there. It was a super cool dude. And sent me this flash drive, and it's loaded with all this like really awesome music that somebody he knows produced. And I it was going on there, and I like asked somebody about it. Like, I want this. And what it is is 
radical historical political speeches like JFK, Che Guevara, uh, MLK, like mixed over all these sick bass beats, like like electronica, and it's so chilling. I don't know, it works for me. Wow! <laughs> and I I did a lot of I little did a lot of dancing and killing a lot of fish to that music this summer, and it was really what's up. It really like brought me to some pretty. So, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, we're gonna have to do that one more time, just because I need this. I need this on this <laughs> podcast. This is one of the greatest <laughs> things. This is one of the greatest things anybody has ever said on this fucking podcast. Please, please, please summarize this. I, I just that is. I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. This is goes st- going straight into a screenplay. Well, I don't know. Killing what you fish mean. and dancing. So, no, no, no. You have to. Killing no, no. Fish. It's not that. It's the fact that it's really amazing beats over historical speeches of the civil rights movement and everything else like che guevara is going off and he's in he speaks spanish and i only like vaguely understand some of it but i don't care i have tears in my eyes and i'm doing roundabouts <laughs> ich bin ein Berliner. give me a and beer I'm swinging the motherfucking gaff and <laughs> woo! and like mlk is telling it like it is and i'm like Killing fish, blood's flying in my face, and I'm like, "Wow, yeah. making fishing great again!" Yeah. Uh-huh. That is that is that's amazing. That's so funny. You said that, my buddy. That my buddy that I hang out with in DC. He's a, he's a fisherman out of Chesapeake Bay. And when I nice. when I met him, that's how I met him. I was outside a bar. He's got he, crabs. No, he had that he had that hat on. I met him, he had this red hat, and I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, he's got the Make America Great hat. But I look at it, and it's all, make fishing great again. <laughs> I like how everybody came up with a side like, business me- of making that hat with different shit that it says. And people are like, oh, my God, that's so clever. It's I need to really get that one. That is hilarious. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, I just met another guy. I was at an after-hours party last week, and I walked into this crowded house, and I look across the room, some guy sitting on a couch with, like, the freaking Make America hat, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit, like, again, right? And then I look at his hat, and it says, make mm. native great again. And he's like a clink, he's like, he's a clinket brother, local clink. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna like this, I'm gonna like this brother, and sure enough, we got along, you know, he's killer local See, native See, and that's dude. the one thing I'll say, being a guy in Chicago, I've never seen a MAGA hat in person. Really? Ever. I've, I've never seen a red hat anywhere in Chicago. I hate to say it, but I've been seeing it a lot around here lately, and it's a bummer. Are you sure and that they are actually... Have you seen them from up close and concluded that they are, in fact, Make America Great Again hats? Yeah, I was walking down the dock and, and the other harbor. I was working on this longliner the last couple of weeks. And there were two on two separate occasions, I saw two different young like boys who looked like they were 16 or 17 wearing Make America Great Again mm-hmm. hats. And I was like... Because the Red Sox did just oh, win, man. too. So you might see some Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Easily nah. confused. I wish that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Here, here, here in the great state of Illinois, we don't see too many of the MAGA hats. It's, it's never been... Uh, gentlemen, I think what we're actually going to do now, I'm going to thank Aaron for his participation in this endeavor because, uh, because, way past my because vision. Andy and I still, yeah, well, it's almost, I, I think probably time for your daughter to wake up too. Yeah. It's getting close yeah. To, yeah. And, and so I want to, I want to thank you, Andy, for doing this and, and sticking it out and, and sticking with it. Yeah. Andy, Andy's now Damn going it. to do the questionnaire, but Aaron has already done what? the questionnaire. Yes, you are. 
Um, okay, all right. Aaron has already... Don't sound incensed. <laughs> what the fuck? This is why you came here. <laughs> I'm not incensed. I'm not incensed. No, it's all good. Go get an Alaskan Amber. You'll be okay. Come on. I might need to go to the other room grab another beer, though. Okay, you go you go, go grab your beer. Okay, give me a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, okay. go, go, go. Aaron, <clears throat> thank you, sir. I really, really appreciate hey, you sticking hey, But wait, up. let me say this. Go ahead. Aaron, it was yeah. awesome talking to you, dude. You too, man. Good meeting you. Yeah, yeah you too. Okay, I'll be in touch. I want to see some uh, fish photos on the the, on the, the timeline, the, the, the Twitter stream. So, <laughs> oh, just roll through my Twitter. I'm always running through this shit. So, all right, take care. Drink this beers. Come on, help me. You guys, still there? I'm here. Okay, I got caught up talking to Tiara. So, what's up? You got questions? I've got a whole questionnaire for you, kind sir. Okay, Daniel. Now we're also going to do your introduction, actually, which we haven't done yet. And then we're going to do the uh, the usual Meet the Pooligans questionnaire because everybody has questions. I feel bad for you and I feel a little guilty because I know you're going to have probably do more editing than you've ever done before for a show. No, definitely. That, that, <laughs> okay. is, that is definitely not the case. On today's most outre Meet the Pooligans yet, where our questionnaire is actually split up in two parts. You heard the first questionnaire with Aaron now... Now, we are here with our second guest. Oh, and how I have pursued him. I followed him. I trailed him for months. I finally caught up with him, tried to spear him and reel him in. But again, the line broke and he got away. But tonight, tonight, we finally got our catch soaking in the Pooligan's pool. He is a fisherman hailing from the great state of Alaska, a frequent POTUS, uh, press pool commenter and an iconoclast if we've ever had one. He enjoys reading, writing, dancing, walking in the woods and getting worked up about political stuff he claims to not really know anything about. I don't think we really believe him. At long last, <laughs> it's my pleasure to encourage you to follow at ScoreMeSomeEllie on Twitter. Yeah. He is Andrew H. Corselli. Andrew, welcome. Woo whoop. I'm here. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Andrew is here. We had some technical questions. We were helped by the very charming Tiara, or mostly actually she helped Andy to try and overcome his technical issues. And so it has worked out. And here we are at long last. So we already had a chance to talk a little bit with Aaron about the odds and ends of what's been happening the past week or so. And before we get into POTUS press pool stuff, as we usually do tell me andy let's go way back do you remember when you first got interested in politics at all well okay uh when i was a child i was big time into war i played war a lot and i read every novel about every american war in consecutive order in my two libraries in my town i was so into it and then when I got to the Vietnam War, uh, I think I was in eighth grade. It was probably like 1985 or 86 and or 87. I don't know. It was the 80s. And that was a time when a lot of Vietnam veterans were writing their memoirs about. Uh, and there was a, a rush of uh, those books coming out. And I read them all. And it really made me rethink about war and my country and its foreign policy and everything. And I started to become anti-war and more political. But I was still very much uh, just a status quo, believing what everything the news said. I was also a paper boy from 
fifth grade to almost ninth grade, I was like a really ambitious paper boy. <laughs> I wanted things, you know, I wanted material things that my parents could, who were faking it to making it in uh, my neighborhood could not get me. I was trying to keep up with my friends who got better Christmas presents than me. And I was always reading the news every day and reading and believing every word of it. You know, it was just like some standard Gannett paper that I delivered. And until I met um, a young girl who was my first girlfriend, and she was an Irish citizen. Her friends, I mean, excuse me, her parents were Irish diplomats at the United Nations, and we live not far from, you know, we live 10 miles from the Bronx, and and um, she, I think, believe the, the Oliver North trials were going on at the time. And I believed every word that the paper said, and I was all about Oliver North, you know. And we would go on these dates, and I'd be, like, totally just spouting out everything that I'd read in the papers and saw on, Kate, you know, on the news and totally believing every word. And she'd be like, uh, no, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the source of my first political awakening, really. I was like, oh, okay. So I really got more and more into politics after that and more and more into reading alternative sources of of um, history and our foreign policy and whatnot. Thank you, Aoife. Um, <laughs> so that's how I got started with that. Um, yeah, I would say that would be my first my first political awakening and inspiration that's an amazing origin story if i've ever heard one um so where do you think i frequently i look to you on my twitter feed to deliver an opinion that is different from everybody else's which i'm always very grateful for because there can be sort of a uniformity at the moment to what people think or an aggressive you know counter uniformity but either way on both sides it's fairly uniform and and your opinion is frequently not so. I'm curious, where do you consider yourself standing at this moment on the political spectrum? Or is that even something that, that you care about to, to or that you care to put a label on? Hmm. Um, well, I am a registered Green Party person. Um, so I basically have been with the Green Party since, I think, 2000 or ni 1999. Excuse me, I'm drinking very much IPA. I just had to burp. Um, I know absolutely no judgment. I welcome your your okay. your IPA drinking. Okay, Groovis. Um, so I really enjoy Julie Mason's show, uh, not because I agree with a lot of the guests or with her, although I do agree with her a lot on a lot of things. Um, but I. I more um, I'm more of an Aaron Mate Green, Glenn Greenwald type of person uh, as far as like politics and reporters go, um, but I love the show because I do read the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Washington Examiner and whatnot, mm -hmm. and I often disagree with the premise of a lot of the stories. Um, but I'm really interested in how the reporters and the writers think. And Julie Mason provides that like nothing ever before. In fact, her show is a childhood paperboy dream come true for me. Like the fact that 
I mean, back in the 80s when I was all about Oliver North and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. and then when I was having the awakening, I was like, I, it would have been awesome if I had could be able to communicate with the writers of all those stories, like the way we are able to through her show and through Twitter. And so I love it. You know, I, it's, it's great. I mean, I, it doesn't matter that I don't agree. It's, it's about being able to have the, have the conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with people I don't agree with. Like, you know, I'm in an echo chamber up here with all my like friends and stuff, you know, everybody mostly agrees and stuff, you know, but okay, great. You know, but I think it's important to be able to more, much more important to be able to speak with and have a respectful conversation with people that I don't agree with, especially the people who are um, basically in control of the biggest and most influential narrative that there is in the public, which is through the mainstream media sources like New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Do you, having said all of that, do you remember when you fell in love with the POTUS press pool? If that's a fair characterization, but I think it is. When when did you find the POTUS press pool and when did that become a thing for you? Uh, okay, uh, I think it was about three years ago or so. Um, I don't know. I used to only listen to Democracy Now! and some other shows. Um every day and like i think i used to listen to npr a lot and then i would just be done with it and listen to music all day and you know kill fish and whatever and just just rock out and stuff but i have series xm um i think i I got that many years ago because my bff whose house whose house i'm at now was like talked me into it i was like i don't need that i you know i'll do my own thing he's like uh well howard stern's on there you know and I was like, wait, what? Howard's on there? He's like, yeah, dude, get a grip. And I was, so I got it. Because me and him grew up listening to Howard when we were kids in the 80s. To He was on 92.3 K-Rock. And we like I used to fail biology listening to it on my Sony Walkman. Sony Walkman. Well, I had ear earbugs, which was like a hot new technology at the time so that the teacher didn't know, you know. Mm. So I just have one in so I could be like tuned into the teacher and Howard at the same nice. time, you know. So, <laughs> so I got on to Syracuse of that. And then, you know, you get bored and you're kind of like looking around for other stuff because you know, whatever. And I think it took a long time, but about three or four years ago, I was doing this winter fishery that I'm about to enter into again. And I'm like, oh God, like my BFF just left actually in his house. He, he just split now to go anchor up in the dark. Cause like we should be out there tomorrow. Cause we're having a one day weather window, blah, blah, blah. It's a really boring fishery. Like it's worth doing. Cause the price is super high. You know, it's like 12 bucks a pound. So every fish is like, 100 to 300 bucks a piece so like if you only catch three to five a day and you do it three days a week it's it's definitely worth doing you know but it's incredibly boring you know and like you gotta like hang out and just like keep the faith you know um and the weather's shitty or whatever and just have (laughs) to just keep hanging you just gotta like keep hanging on and you and it's like the the hardest part of the job of this particular fishery and this job is is the mind fuck, you know, you go through it, you know, all day long, you know, you might not have a bite or catch a fish for four hours, you know, or you might not catch a fish at all that day, you know, mm-hmm. and it's incredibly depressing and dispiriting. 
And so the trick is to try to stay positive and try to stay engaged, you know. It's also really important because if you get despondent and you start not paying attention, it seems like nothing's going on, but a lot's going on, actually. And it's like a safety issue to stay alert and stay engaged. And I just I turn on POTUS one time and I'm listening to this woman who happens to be Julie Mason. This is like a few years ago. I'm listening to her. And, you know, she's funny, right? You know? And she's cracking me up. And I'm like, yeah, this cool lady sounds pretty cool. And then she started talking smack. Not smack, but <laughs> reality about Barack Obama and his his um, his um drone war. Mm-hmm. You know? And she started telling the truth about that, which was something I was aware of. Um, and it really irked me that nobody else in the mainstream media was talking about it. It's like, oh, Barack Obama, he's like the saint. Everybody's so, you know, he's so great. Mr. Articulate in Chief, telling us all what we want, what we already know and want to hear, but not doing anything about it. Meanwhile, he's killing hundreds of innocent children with his drone warfare program. And I was just pissed about that a lot. Like, nobody's talking about that, you know? And she was talking about it. And I was like, this lady's awesome. I need to all right, I'm going to listen to her more, you know? So I was listening, and then she's talking about this whole Twitter thing. And I didn't know, I know what it was. I've never been on Facebook. I've never been on any social media. At, I was so bored and just, like, so interested in her. Because uh, she's, like, such an enigma in mainstream uh, corporate media, you know, corporate news media. No one else would say these things, you know? And other stuff, too, that's just not popular, you know, to say. And I, I started figuring out on my ancient iPhone, I'm like, she she wants me to be part of the convo? She wants us to be part of the... Let me figure this out. I think I've got some time for this. <laughs> Nothing's been going on for freaking hours out here. And I'm like, I'm like in some like 13 foot swell. And I'm like trying to figure out going in and out of a cell connection, just internet connection, trying to figure it out. Like I actually drove like about, you know, a quarter of a mile to get more into the connection. Like, wow. Mm, to, you know, like try to figure this out, you know, like let me get in touch with her. And I didn't know how to, and I, you know, as you know, from our earlier um interaction i'm horrible with this technology i'll have you know i'm quite good at world war ii technology i maintain a diesel engine quite well but i know shit about computers and internet stuff so i barely figured it out and i remember like kept trying to like tweet her you know and it wasn't working and finally i like tried another thing and i I, I tweeted her so many times (laughs) Like just like just just like hi 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 you know what I mean just seeing if she would just seeing if she would like get it you know what I mean like I had no idea if she was getting it. <laughs> and she's like, finally I finally well, I tweeted her and I was just like one more time I'll try this you know I'll put an at in front of ah uh, the magic at I'll, uh, yeah I like didn't know you know I was like I'll put an at in front of it and uh, and I, all I said was forgive me. Trying to learn to tweet. <laughs> and she got back. She's all, she's nice. all, aw. She's all, aw. <laughs> like, you little man, you, you know if not, you know? <laughs> and I was like, right on. So <laughs> I realized, ah, this lady's cool, you know? So um, she is the reason that I am on Twitter. She's, and I was totally against being on social media. Like, I would never have been on social media. Like, I've never been on Facebook. Like, or anything. I'm a, I'm not into all that shit. 
But I got on Twitter for her and I'm to get in touch with her because she's super cool. I talked to her, you know, about, you know, just basically at the time I wanted to run my mouth without Obama and she was down with it. So whatever. <laughs> so, yep. That's why. That's how I got in touch with her. Waiting for a king salmon to bite. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. And eventually the king salmon bit and you figured out the at sign. What is it? Do you think that brings you back to the present? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it a little bit. It's just it's a different perspective. But what is it that brings you back on a daily basis to the Polish press pool? If you actually have time to listen to it daily, and do you listen to it live or do you listen to it um, on demand? How are you able to to listen to Miss Mason's stylings? Um, I listen to it live. You know, um, I usually it's, lately. Uh, well, since I like the last few days, I've just been goofing off and not doing much. I'm just hanging on the boat because I just got done with a big, really hardcore manual labor job for the last two weeks. And I've just been like spent. So I've been just like hanging out on Twitter, listening to her, goofing off with making fun of people on Twitter just mm-hmm. for fun. <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, I listen to her live. And when I'm fishing, like in the summer, a lot of it I don't hear because it's a high volume fishery. And I'm just like. I just know she's on the air, you know, mm. sometimes, sometimes I just, the time gets away. I don't, you know, I'm really busy and, and, um, I don't even know, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking about it, you know, but if I'm, if I go up into the house and I'm thinking about it, like maybe I'm having a sandwich or something or, you know, whatever, I'll be like, Oh wait, what time is it? And look, Oh shit, it's past 11. It's Julie Mason time. We're channeling the channel. We're, you know, we're pulling this flash drive off and we're putting Sirius XM on. We're listening to Julie. And the last couple of years, it was funny. Like this summer, I didn't have a deckhand. And that the last two years prior, I did. And uh, I forced them to listen to her. <laughs> and they were like, and I was like, on this whole thing, like, Hey, Julie's fishy, man. We're, we're, we're going to be catching more now. All right. And, th- and they were all like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when these two guys like hang out with each other because <laughs> they're both uh, from D.C. And I-, I know they hang out with each other and they're all good friends. And I'm sure they just like make fun of me and stuff. <laughs> they're like, I'm sure like whenever I'd go back in the house, I'd be like, Julie's on, run the gear. There's probably going to be some more fish on there. <laughs> I'm sure they're both like rolling their eyes when they're out there like... Whatever. As, how does Ju- this Julie's on the air? How did this Skipper's lady? Happy. How did this lady somehow <laughs> become the voice of Good Omen? Okay, so one time it was really like I hadn't caught fish for a while, and oh my god! Okay, I remember the first time I was like, oh my god, this woman. I went out. It was uh, like two years. I don't know, a few years ago. Um, I had a family at the time that ended, but I was like, uh. I had our two moms up for Christmas, put them in this house, got them a car, had the whole Christmas thing, like ran my bank account down, racked up all my credit cards and just like took care of the kid and everybody and made this great Christmas and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't focus on the money. I was like, whatever, you know? Um, and then our parents left and it was over and it was like the first couple of days of January and I didn't even want to know what, I didn't even look at my bank account. <clears throat> and I just knew I needed to go fishing. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, but it, it, a lot of times in the middle of the winter, it's just not worth doing. You know, there's just, they're just not here. You know, you can go out there and bang your head up against the wall all day. And it's like, yeah, whatever. However, we had two radically warm winters in a row. And that was the, that was the first one. And everybody else was out of town. Like no one was fishing, like hardly anybody. 
But I've been paying attention because we have a NOAA weather buoy about like 10 miles offshore of the volcano where I live. Mm-hmm. And it has it it has a sea temp on it, and it was six or seven degrees above normal, like the whole all through the holidays. And I've been checking it every day, like twice a day, and be thinking, hmm, this is when the water's warm. That means king salmon are more likely to come around because the food that they, you know, the herring and other stuff that mm-hmm. they eat, is more likely to cruise by our cape, uh-huh. and and. It's just more likely, you know, I don't know, but I just know the chances are better, you know? So, um, and no one was around and it was a, just a faith thing, but also like the weather had been blowing a gale or a storm for like three and a half weeks. So no one was out there, you know, it was impossible to be out there like 20 foot seas, blah, blah, blah. So then my parents left and my girlfriend's parents left, the holidays were over and all of a sudden, the wind came down and the ocean came down to like, I don't know, like 12 foot seas. And like my maximum wave forecast on my boat is 14 feet. And I was like, all right, it's time to go. I got ice. I got fuel. I got food. I went out there <laughs> and it and I ran out there. It's like a three hour run to get there. You know, and I ran out there in the dark for three hours. I got out there. Nothing happened all morning. Okay. Like I was like, oh god, <laughs> yeah, you, you and your big ideas, Andy. You fucked us, Andy. You I was like, maybe you should have stayed in town and not burned fuel. You would have saved that money, you know. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. So I was starting to get despondent and starting to get depressed and starting to have self doubt, you know. But I kept going up into the corner, as we call it. There's a legal line that you that you. You, you can't be in outside waters in the winter so there's a line that you draw on your chart from one uh from the cape to the other end of the the sound and i just stay in the corner where the tide pushes things in mostly and so i remember i was like getting despondent and getting depressed and i put i put julie on mm-hmm and it was like 11 in the morning and I'm listening to her and I'm starting to giggle, you know, she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to her. I'm like, fucking Julie. Listen to this lady. Julie, so hilarious. Huh? Like, she's just funny. Yeah, she you know? And I'm listening to her yeah. and I'm, I'm cracking up and then I'm like, you know, and I, and I had been like, I think it was about, it got to that towards the end of her show. Mm-hmm. It was about what, like, say like 45 minutes before the show's over. It was about probably like one fifteen p.m. my time, and I was I was listening and I was I was like I, I was like I think I was pissed about something on the show like I didn't agree with one of the guests or whatever mm-hmm. and I was like God damn it and I started standing up and I'm looking at <laughs> uh, I'm sorry who is this asshole whatever you know and I'm looking out the window and I'm like huh and then I was like you know what but uh, th- there was a, but I'd the couple of passes that I'd had before into the corner I, I hadn't. I've been like kind of giving up, you know, not like rubbing the shelf really hard like I would, which requires you to pay more attention. And the and I was starting to get like I was kind of like get irritated. I was like, you know what, Julie's working, so should we. <laughs> I, like rub the edge really hard, you know. I was like, fuck it, we're gonna rub it hard. And I'm like cruising in, and I'm listening to the show, and I was looking at Twitter, and all of a sudden, like I heard something, and like I've got these cowbells tied to my lines that. So that in case I'm not paying attention mm-hmm. and there's a fish on, I could hear it. And I look up, I'm like, oh shit, I hadn't caught a fish the entire Is that day. a ding-a-linging like, fish I like, hear? 
like, 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 yeah, I hadn't caught a single fish all day. I was wondering, like, what I'm doing, my doing with my life, you know? And all of a sudden, like, I, I, w- I actually was so surprised. I thought that I was like running aground. <laughs> I was like, am I? <laughs> I was like, I was like, am I? I like 50, 50 and sixty pound cannonballs at the end of my at the end of my um, lines to get them down deep. I'm like, oh shit, am I running those things up on the ground, up on the shelf? And I look at the depth finder. And I'm like, no. And then I see the other the other two lines going. I'm like. Holy shit! There's something going on here. <laughs> like, you got a bingo. I went outside. I went outside. I turned up the volume on the deck speaker so I could hear her. You know, and I go outside and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what she was talking about. The rest of the show, I have no idea because I was totally consumed for the next four or five hours with making six grand in four hours. I was like, oh, wow, baby. it was awesome. Yeah, I got like fifty fish, and I was like, they're all like worth so much money. You know, in the winter, I was like. It was so cool. And ever since then, I'm like, oh, my God, this woman is fishy. She's lucky. Uh, I got to, like, things are tough. I got to turn, tune in her in. I've got to go, like, got this, like, suspicious. i got to, like, a superstitious thing about her a little bit, you know? You know, I, so. I have never actually heard this woman is fishy as a compliment before, but here we are. I know. I've I wanted to tell her that in the past and say that to some of her followers, and I know that it wouldn't sound good, but in my bio region... That yep. is the highest compliment. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you say someone's fishy, that means uh, yeah, people people vie to bring them out fishing. <laughs> well, we okay. No, that's definitely high compliment. No doubt. We I think it's been it's a high compliment. It's been thoroughly yeah. explained, and therefore will go over really well. I hope so. I hope she's not bummed at me. Uh, once you've listened to the Potus Press Pool and you've caught all the rare and and generous amounts of fish, apparently great market value. Um, once you've done all of that, do you share the knowledge that you get from the from the press pool at all? Is that is politics something you talk to other people about, or is it something that you're just interested in and you uh, more or less wisely keep to yourself? Um, no, I do share it, and a lot that I just my friends are really savvy, and I don't you know they don't need to know; they know more than me. But like I remember when she turned me on to the documentary about Roger Stone, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, this guy, um, Dan, I think, made it. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I thought that was so great and, like, really insightful and a really important piece of the puzzle about Trump and his, his political uh, rise, you know, that I, I, I had no idea about until she till she turned me on to it on her show. And I turned my friends on to it. And all my friends are, like, kind of um, more like anarchist-type politically you know like more like self-rule um decentralization and just like revolution peaceful though you know so they don't they don't really care about a lot of this mainstream talk but i turned them on to that and everybody was like uh uh i was like yeah i turned my, some of my best friends onto that who do not like julie and do not like that i am on this trip with her and are dismayed because um, you know she's corporate and whatever you know <laughs> Um, but they were like, oh, that was awesome. I've learned a lot from that. I'm like, yep, I got that from Julie. And they were like, oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. Yeah, maybe she's not so bad so after that all. Would be my, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was my best example. That's my best example of sharing um, my knowledge with my friends and stuff from Julie. 
we've established by now, and we you, we talked about it actually, how Julie interacts with her fans on Twitter. And it sounds like not only did she bring you to Twitter, but it's something that you continue to pursue, trying to, you know, do you try to get your name read? Are you interested in that? Or is it just more the fact that you have the option to have that conversation back and forth? Um, is that by itself enough? Or do you get joy out of out of hearing your name on the radio? <laughs> well, there's a funny history about that. Mm. <laughs> I'm here for it. Well, I thought it was I thought I was surprised and shocked to have any of my tweets read that she was that engaged with her with her listeners, mm-hmm. let alone little old me driving around in my little boat boat and like goddamn huge swell. Uh, like whoa um i remember like yeah like the year before last i had this brother i met in dc um who is actually a costa rican he lives in dc half the year in costa rica the other half and doesn't speak super great english or doesn't understand it he speaks it better than he understands it i started to figure that out more as we were fishing (laughs) i was like no no really (laughs) but um i remember him like I think Julie, I think, I think, um, Julie had read like a couple few of my tweets on the air at that so- some point. I was just like bullshitting with her or whatever. And like his, my buddy Tomas, he's like such a beautiful soul. He's a really kind brother and a hard worker, a good fisher. He's like really has good fish sense too. He's awesome to have on the boat. And he's like, he likes me. I mean, like, listen, like, and I wasn't that like, you know, blown away anymore that she'd read a tweet of mine at mm-hmm. that time, you know. And the deck speakers are on, you know, back there, and I've got him, you know, got him doing all the work. Why should I be doing it, you know? I'm paying him big money, and he's awesome. He loves it. So he's back there, and he, he like, he yells at me. He's like, oh, man, Julie just said your name, man. You're like, dude, you're like famous, man. <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, no, dude. <laughs> It's just a uh, just what happens on the show. But. Well, you are no, famous, no, no, like, my friend. This is how I found you. So you know, your fame, your 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 fame precedes you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, since then, I don't know. It's like I try not to tweet her very much because I just feel like I mean, sometimes I forget myself, especially lately. While I'm just like hanging out, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I just feel like she's got enough dudes all up in her grill right now. You know. <laughs> Like, like, I'll leave that to you, Daniel. <laughs> and um, and the woman's at work, you know? I don't want to bother her. I, I'm at work, too. I don't need people, you know, constantly bothering me and shit. So I, I get it, you know? So I just, I try not to bother her anymore. Got it, got it. She's at work. She's at work. She's got you and Bubbles and, what you know, all these other people. She need she need hear my bullshit, so... I just like to listen in and and converse with the pooligans and because you guys are all for fun. whatever it is worth, my friend. I'm always looking forward to your. So if you don't do it for her, do it for me. I enjoy I enjoy hearing your tweets. So for whatever that's right worth. On, yeah, Daniel. for whatever that's worth. It's worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's worth a oh, lot. Man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, how do you feel about the larger POTUS press pool Twitter following? Do, like you just said, you interact with some of the other pooligans. Is that something you seek out or, or do, you, do you follow them? And, and has that been a source of, of entertainment or of interest? Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like all you guys. I mean, you guys are a lot different than me and my friends. It's more like you guys tickle my bougie roots, you know? It makes me feel like I'm... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> 
I'm from suburbia, you know, but I long since left that behind. And um, but but it's nice, you know, it's it's that's where I'm from. And it's nice to chat with all you guys. And it's comforting, especially when I'm out fishing and I'm just like, you guys have no idea. <laughs> I'm living like a total animal. And it's just uh, it's it it's comforting while I'm out there, especially um, to talk to you. And I really I really like bubbles a lot. Like when I was you probably noticed, but like when I was fishing this summer, sometimes I'd have down moments mm-hmm. Or, you know, and just like, uh, you just need to like some, something, you know, like keep me going or like get me straight again, you know, Mm -hmm. and Bubbles is really awesome about that. And so I really appreciate that. And he like sends me songs and stuff from Van Morrison or whatever. And it really works. Like, I'm like, oh yeah. Like, not that I don't know the song, but it's just that, that instigation, like, listen to this, man, you know, it'd probably lift you up. And it does. And I really, really appreciate that. Like, it helps me make money. Like, like with Julie, I'm saying, like, like what I was saying about Julie, like, it helps me make money, man. And it helps me keep, stay safe. You know, like if I'm down, that means I'm despondent. That means I'm not paying as much attention. And that's like a, not only am I not making as much money as a result, but it's a safety issue. Like I need to stay alert and shit. Mm -hmm. Like shit's going on all the time. And I really appreciate Julie for that. And I really, really appreciate Bubbles. I sent him fish recently because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, dude, thank you. Like, he helped me make money, you know? And and just and just feel good out there, which is equally... It's one and the same, really. I actually wrote down here, uh, uh, as one of my questions, I was going to ask you, does it does it get lonely? And I guess that addressed part of that question. It's a, it's a really unique life. I think that very few people who, like you also just said, very few people who've never experienced that can really fully grasp or, or try to understand. But what is that? Can you describe that a little bit for us? The the day to day? What do we, all of us who, who follow you and who talk to you, I, I guess, imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine can you describe for us a little bit what a day of fishing is actually like when i'm fishing alone <laughs> yeah like i did this summer um well okay um well i wake up at like three thirty in the morning or three which sucks because i'm like julie i'm like totally not a morning person mm-hmm. uh, i've got a lot of nerve being a fisherman actually <laughs> <laughs> it's like so that part's like so, hey early bird catches the worm i'm like yeah so what but, oh, no he's gotta be birds. done yeah. It's got to be done. Like the morning bite's way more important than the night bite. I tried to pull, play that game for a couple of years. It just, just doesn't pan out. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, yeah, you get up early. I got to go in the engine room, check the oil and like all the other, check the gear oil, make sure the belts are tight. Just kind of look around, make sure everything's cool. You know, if things need to be done, I need to do them. And, and then uh, come up, fire up the engine turn on all the electronics, let the engine warm up, and then go out on the bow, pull the anchor. Hopefully it's not like a big deal. Then head out, you know, and go put the gear in the water. And usually, like, I'm kind of, like, grumpy a little in the morning. And I have like, But on the way out, I'm having coffee. And there's a lot of times where it's, like, this amazing ocean sunrise, like, behind me because, of course, like, you know, the sun rises in the east, mm-hmm. so that's, like, behind me over here, you know? Well, you know that. You're down, You're on the west mm-hmm. coast. And it's just so beautiful up here. It's unbelievable. And so I'll be having, like, this, like, like I'll be grumpy and slack, 
like on the verge of being pissed because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> but then I'll be like leaving the anchorage and driving out on the ocean, and I like look behind me and just see the see the sun and all its huge butterscotch rays like slashing through the clouds and all this incredible color, and like having this spiritual experience all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh my god, this is so great, and then put on the music and have really have an awesome time then put the gear in the water when i get to the get to where i you know where i think it's good and start fishing and then it's just like this in the summer it's this all day like it you know this the sun's up like almost all the whole time you know so like i've got to like fish like the whole time Mm. (laughs) it's just like it gets like i don't really get much sleep for about two months you know i only sleep like three or four hours a day for about two months and I get pretty loopy and stuff. That's another reason why I need a little help, you know, mm-hmm. st- stay, just kind of staying on the level and just keep doing it and stuff. And then um, it just depends on how the fishing is, too, sometimes, or the weather. Like, if it's super beautiful weather and the fishing's great, I'm in a great mood. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm having like this, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having these, I'm just... You know, I'm like almost like the Buddha, <laughs> you know, but if it's the opposite, you know, I'm having, I'm struggling with my attitude and everything and I need help, you know, um, or if like the boat's not working, like I'm having troubles, you know, or I'm having, you know, things break and whatever, and it's not, and I'm not able to fix it in time or, or if it happens out there and I like, in it's, you know, a safety situation that that's, I struggle with that as well, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, it's hard to, yeah, Daniel, it's hard to explain all in one, like, No, but that's, no, I'm, I'm, two, I'm really but... grateful because I think people, I, it's, it's so rare. You know, I, I rarely get to, ask, I've actually never gotten to ask this particular question simply because there's a certain uniformity to, to everybody's experience. Uh, it, you know, they, they wake up in the morning, they, they go, they get in their car, they get dressed, they get in the car, they drive to their work, they work, they come home. And they and they kiss their children and they go to sleep and they do the same thing again the next day. And so I, to me, it was always really fascinating. I was really looking forward to hear from you what what a day unlike that is actually like, or in, in your case, an entire season of that, when you're only sleeping two or three hours a day and actually have to stay safe in an environment where a lot can go wrong. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not an easy challenge. It's not. Uh, sometimes I really, when it's tough, I like, I like look at you guys and I'm like, why am I not just like doing what Bubbles is doing? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that might be, because I don't really know what that is. <laughs> I, I could describe it for you, but we'll have you back on another, now that we figured out how to do it, we'll have you back on another podcast and you, you'll get to ask him that question yourself. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. He's a brother. I'd like to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely. I can. I can't promise you much, but I can promise you that I can make that happen. Oh, the brother owes me some cheese, and I hope that's coming soon. So we we made a deal, and that, it's come, that's how you, know. you did it. When you made an exchange deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you saw that tweet earlier in the summer. I was like, "Yeah, I will. I'll trade you." You know, so. I got to the end of the summer. I sent him some fish, and then he was well. He was like, "I'm ready to send you some cheese," you know. Mm-hmm. But then I took this ridiculous job two, three weeks ago oh, because right. I guess I just wasn't ready to stop making. Well, I just didn't. I don't know. I was making good money for a while, and I just I have some other goals, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I have a lot of goals. You know how it is. And I don't know. I sort of got shang. I don't know. I took a job doing long lining, which is something I just declared I've retired from. We'll see. Uh-huh. But uh, fuck, man. I don't know. I did it for two weeks. It was unbelievably miserable and hard labor and it always is i don't know why i was surprised you know i was just like why am i doing this again i'm out well, here what's it good money it's not running yeah i made five grand in like two weeks you know it was, it was all right you know i mean it was good you know glad i did it like i was out for two weeks suddenly i'm back on land guy could pay me cash i'm walking around with this huge fat cabbage roll you know not bad i got weighed but it, yeah, I mean it's cool, but you know, man, it's really hard work, dude. I'm like dragging these sixty pound anchors all over the deck, and like we went in this shitty weather, like west twenty five, fourteen foot seas, and I'm like, what am I doing? Got I got snot running down my mo- my nose. I can't even like wipe it off because like I got my hands full of this and that. I got knives taped all over my freaking body so that like, just in case shit goes down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like trying to tell these 26 year olds what's up. You know, <laughs> like, oh, it's just so hard. And I just like I, th- I could have made more money. And I just told the brother, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I just it's something I did for many many years. I caught millions of pounds doing that job. Like. From here out to halfway out the Aleutian Islands, almost to the end of the Aleutian chain. And I'm done. I just don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Trolling is much more... It's hard, but it's it's nowhere near that kind. It's hard to explain, man. It's, yeah, but it's a much, much harder job. Like, mega manual labor. And just don't want to do it again. So where do you... Because you just mentioned it, I don't know whether you're actually ready to talk about that. But you're saying you have plans in the future. Is there something that you're saving all of this money towards or that plans that you have on, on what comes after you even feel that the trolling now is, is, is no longer something that you really feel like doing or is, or will that day never come? Uh, well, I love trolling. It's long lining that I want to stop doing. Yeah. And I just, I just told like the entire bar the other night that I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> because it just ended the long line season just ended the the day before yesterday I was in the bar yesterday with talking to some people who I've worked for and worked with. And they were all like, they were like, uh-huh, we'll see you in the spring, Andy. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. And they're like, we love you, Andy. And like, you know, because it is really hard to stop doing this shit. It's a compulsion. But trolling is like the gentleman's fishery. You know, you just comparably, it's hard to explain. It's a easier but that i will do that it that's what my boat is set up to do and and that's what i do on my boat it's just troll so i plan to kind of double down on that get a bigger boat and that's Mm -hmm. a whole other story i'm talking to this incredibly hot incredibly beautiful hard-working woman about buying her boat i need to be careful about that Mm -hmm. for some reason i haven't called the ship right because it seems like i'm being affected by how fucking awesome she is but so I will be doing please, that. Please try not to be shot by her really uh, psychotic husband too. She doesn't have one. Oh, good. I'm glad That's to hear that. Yeah. I need to chill out. No, she's a really great person. And I just, anyway, uh, point being is that I'm going to troll more, but I'm probably going to find something else to do like in the winters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, I don't know. I mean, I also write a lot and I was thinking about, pursuing that more like like actually 
that's my only plan. I've been writing short stories in the winter at my mom's house. I don't know if that's what kind of short stories do you write? Um, I write just like vignettes and short short stories about my life and stuff and like my experiences. But lately, I've been trying to just like get away from that and write about um like a sort of uh how I how I'd like politics to go in like a sort of creative fiction way. And I've been like making up these like more like utopian like uh, scenarios um and last year though i wrote a story about the trump inauguration riots because i went there for that and um mm-hmm. that was awesome i went to <laughs> i had no idea what i was getting into and went there i was like oh what's going on <laughs> the cops are throwing bombs oh i didn't expect this you know and so I, <laughs> I wrote a whole story about nice. that. It was really fun. Yeah, they made me run, man. I had to run my ass off like I was 19 again. It was killer. I have you know. Well, I, glad you got away. I route ran everyone. And I had like a broken foot at the time. I was like just barely out of the cast. And like, <laughs> the flight. You were out of there. The flight mode is strong in this one, Daniel. Good, good. That's a, that's a good, listen, that's an excellent setting to have. You never know these days when that comes into extreme handy. Yeah, well, if you throw yourself into the melee in a DC protest, <laughs> you'll find out. I'll, I'll try to get myself into that kind of trouble. It, sound, it, sounds, it sounds oddly romantic in a way. It's pretty fun. Um, what's your, what, what is your, back to our mundane question, what is your feeling about Twitter as a medium? Do you use it apart from from talking to Pooligans or talking to Julie, do you use it for anything other? Do you use it for news gathering? Is it a useful resource for you? Or is it is it too trolly and too too annoying? You know what? Um, lately, it's too much of a distraction. I'm not... Uh, and it's detracting from my ability to gather quality information and to learn. And I need to, like, chill out and, and step away from it. Like, really, there's so much better sources of information that that i have been i've been slacking on so um it's cool it's i think it's best use is communicating with you and the other pooligans and paying attention to what julie posts because i i i do value what she posts and all her colleagues that she's in touch with um like I love Elise Labbit and Matt Lee and a couple of the other guys. I follow Matt Lee. And I think he's awesome mm-hmm. and um, keeps me basically in touch with like a lot of the international stuff. I love when he's on a, a, a at at AP Diplo Rider for those of us who, for some mysterious reasons, do not follow Matt. Yeah, at AP Diplo Rider. Matt's the shit, mm-hmm. man, and so is Elise. Like those are are some of our best mm-hmm. reporters on the scene, as far as like really holding power to account. Like as far as really asking good mm-hmm. questions and being like follow up. There's so many re- mainstream reporters who are like. Ask me a question, and then it's like, oh, okay, thanks, you know. <laughs> but Matt Lee, you know what <laughs> I mean? Sounds great. I will... You know what I mean? It's like, uh, no, dude. <laughs> but Matt Lee and Elise are like, they are like that. They're like, uh, no, but we have a history of, our government has a history of X and X, so are you really for sure? Or something? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, I think they are some of the best that we have, and like, I really value them. And I, re- I really appreciate Julie for actually 
I didn't know about them before her, so I really appreciate and thank her for that. Which dovetails into our last question, actually, which is, do you have any favorite press pool guests or any favorite press uh, press pool Julie moments? You just mentioned Elise and Matt, but is there anybody else that you really enjoy hearing from? Abby, yeah. She's cool. Abby Livingston. Very sweet and very on the money. She's doing a good job the same way, like really getting into it and asking good follow-up questions and at Texas Trip Abbey, yeah. I actually got to see her do her thing. She hosted quite a few panels when I was in Austin for Texas Trip Fest. And it was really, really fun. She did a great job. Oh, really? Did you meet her? I didn't meet her as in shake her hand and say, hi, I'm me. But I <clears throat> I got to, I think I watched two or three panels that she hosted. And yeah, she is, she definitely knows exactly what she's doing and was, was really great. Okay. Uh, hosting those panels. Oh, right on. You are so lucky to have seen her. That is cool. Yeah, she's great. Uh, luck was not involved. I booked a ticket. I went down there. I I braved the scene. It, <laughs> it was really interesting. It was... But it was, I'll be there again next year. It was one of the, one of the really fun experiences. There was, unfortunately, I did not get any expertise in running away from stuff. There was no big time demonstrations that would have been fun with like SWAT, SWAT type police and interesting rubber bullets. It was more like extremely mellow with a lot of really kind, very lefty Texans, which I did not expect, but apparently Austin. Yeah, oh, Austin, right. You know, yeah, Austin is like known and for that, right? Everybody was. I know Julie hates that shit, right? <laughs> yeah, I know she. Did. But everybody was everybody was really excited about Beto and how that's <laughs> right. going to be great, and everybody clapped, and now they're all now they're all depressed. Now they're but, all yeah, gone back. Now they're all apolitical again. <laughs> exactly, but they they were they were all about it. It was such lovely people meeting in line. It was it was really great. I can only. I mean, I know I we've I've already had this discussion on the podcast before, but I can really only highly recommend it. Cool. When was that again that that happened? Yeah, it was the very end of of September because I came home on my daughter's birthday. So yeah. Okay. It was the very end of September. That's possible. And I could do that maybe next year. Okay. It's worth a trip if the if the salmon has already stopped biting and or you stop longlining and are a little bit yeah and, and and can miss a few days of trawling, then that's definitely worth it. Yeah, this year I was definitely like. If I had known, it was definitely over by the 16th or the 17th or something like that. So mm-hmm. some years it goes yeah, so right to the end. I just didn't know. So. There's a bunch of pooligans that want to do it next year. I think a bunch of us are going to get together and go down there. and. Oh, really? And check out all the peeps, yeah. Oh, I want to go. Are you guys down with me going? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. We'll talk. We'll talk. The, the more the merrier i think it will be really fun awesome um having said that my friend it is getting really late it is and i do have a dance party to go to my friend oh good oh, i'm glad okay so you go to your dance party i'm gonna go to my sleep party okay and thank you so much for doing this for braving all of the technical uh, the technical difficulties and coming through it was really great talking to you it was great talking to you my brother i'll just get tiara involved right away next time you know yes she was <laughs> yes please please thank her again i will, uh, I will thank her again from me that was that was very kind of her to to go through that i know thing. i was like get over here help me out all right my friend enjoy your party and for our listeners we'll hear you again really soon i hope you enjoyed this outstanding podcast with our two outstanding guests okay thank you daniel good night my friends